On this episode, we discuss Short Circuit 2. If the first movie asked the question, who's Johnny? The second movie asked the question, where's Johnny? The answer, hell. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, Toronto. It's Toronto. Oh. That's why it didn't look like New York. Okay. Yeah, because it's, it's Toronto, but they never really <laughs> refer to where he is. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Okay. Welcome to the Flophouse. I, the one you're hearing right now, am Dan McCoy. And me, Stuart, the professional one. His last name is Wellington. That's how professional <laughs> he is. This is the first name. And I'm Elliot Kalen. And joining us, we have a very special guest today. Guest, please introduce yourself for the audience. They love a mystery, but now it's time to reveal the solution to the mystery <laughs> of who is our guest today. Guest. Hello, it is Ben Hosley. It's Ben Hosley. Producer Ben, you may know him as. That's right. From, from Blank Check. Blank Check mm -hmm. with Griffin and David. Uh, there's a whole list of nicknames that we will not go through. Oh, so we're not going to do the nicknames. Okay. I appreciate that, actually. <laughs> that, that is a bit... Um, I could see you tensing up, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. I feel like we started in the early days of the show. It's been going for about seven years. Oh, so, you know, cute. I know it's cute. It's like about a half... The run of almost uh, half of, of our show. run. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yet rocketed past us in success very quickly. Yeah. Understandably, <laughs> yeah, it's a very good show. It's a good well, show. It's you should probably be listening I mean, to that. And probably because the episodes are shorter than ours. Wait a minute. No, no they're, they're not. not. No, they're very they long. They are not. <laughs> they are so long, and it feels like over the years they have just gotten longer and longer. Same. Truly, you know, like yeah. three hour runtime. It's crazy. Ben, did you encourage David to have a child just to get the, the links of the episodes down? Do you think yes, that? yeah, yeah. Subconsciously, I was trying to like influence him so that he would impregnate his wife <laughs> and hopefully would lead to him needing to go and constantly take care of his child and yeah. therefore cut down on the runtime of our recordings. <laughs> you kept being like, hey, man, look, oh, look at this picture of this happy family with a baby. Man, that looks great. Oh, They're I imagine smiling. More, you're like you're like these episodes are getting so long. I got to start sending more chocolate covered strawberries to David's house so he can finally get this thing going. <laughs> sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's how it happens. And not have to break into just, his break into his house and put rose petals on his bed so he can finally do it and get a baby. Yeah, just anonymous edible arrangements every other mm -hmm. week coming to his doorstep. That's how you spice up a marriage, guys. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, <laughs> we were very excited uh, to get. Ben, on the uh, the show we've had, uh, as you know, Griffin and David, if you're a listener, you've heard them. Um, and Ben, we asked what he would like to <laughs> to, to talk about. Okay. On this and podcast I feel like you have a disclaimer right up at the top I, you wanted to. I, I do. Yeah. Yeah. I, okay. So. So we're like, Ben, out of every possible movie we could watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you? What are you dying to get? To give more? Uh, what like uh, get more eyes on? Yeah, yeah you were well, said, we said. What movie do you feel like needs to be seen? Has to be seen. Needs to be <laughs> talked about. You want people to just experience the magic of. And it would help if one of the main characters who uh, is where the least problematic thing about them is that their name is also your name, Ben. 
<laughs> sure. Okay. So here's the context. We were drinking at the time of this conversation. Mm. So I just want to say that. <laughs> sure, okay. yeah. Yeah, like um, with Dan and Stuart, likely story. Okay, sure. Yes. And so I know the show's been going for quite a long time. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, what is like going to be some kind of deep cut movie that they haven't covered yet? And what came to mind was from my childhood, this dumb robot movie that I remember watching anytime I would catch it on cable TV. Yeah. And yeah. I and it was also, on a lot. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> I watched it a lot as a child as well. And what I remember about both of them, right, is that the robot, he's a fun, cool guy. Yeah. He's very cool. He's very in cool. The, in the robots of my childhood, he is up there with the good robot Bill and Ted's from Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Hell like yeah. <laughs> under coolest robots I can think of. Fuck yeah. yeah. So I remember two being where he really loosens up, Johnny Fox. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know? It's less, uh, you know, about the military sort of uh, <laughs> complex. He starts calling himself <laughs> yeah. Johnny. Yeah, he he's already himself. he's processed his trauma. He's yes. ready to move on with yep. his life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this he's is, thriving. Yeah, the, well, <laughs> yes. the first one, the first one, he's really discovering what it's like to be a sentient being, and the second one, he's like, "I'm here. I'm alive." Time to reference every pop culture thing of the mid to late '80s over and over again, uh, just to make people sure, make sure people know that I'm just a cool dude who never stops fucking talking ever, even when he's chasing <laughs> wow. someone down a wharf. Oh. <laughs> I feel like Ellie I was less charmed by Johnny Five <laughs> I, than the rest of I, us. Well, I think it was more that I think it was more by the end of the movie. I think that the producers of the movie are like, "This is not the exciting climax we hoped it was." Well, what if we just layer in tons and tons of off-camera quips from Johnny Five over and over mm -hmm. again? Mm -hmm. And I know it's rich coming from me, a guy who never talks and is very annoying. But mm -hmm. I got to say, it's just one of those times when I was watching it. And I think maybe that's what hurt me so much was seeing Johnny Five being like, is that what I'm like to people? A, <laughs> a thing <laughs> that, is, that is barely alive and is very annoying? Ugh, terrible. But in addition to the talking robot, there's something else about this movie that makes it notorious. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's what we we're talking about. Right. So I suggested this film thinking about it as the 10-year-old, right? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. The 10-year-old yep, that would watch this movie. Uh-huh. And so I said, why not Short Circuit 2? Yeah. Uh-huh. And then sat down to watch this film two days ago and was horrified yeah. by what we are <laughs> now, going to now have to talk about. Now, when you made this suggestion to Dan, did you read the look of concern on his face? <laughs> and you're like, why would Dan... Is it the movie's going to be so bad, or maybe Dan's frightened a robot? I thought he was shocked because it was such a good pick. <laughs> it's like, well, why would we talk about that movie? It's a great movie. Oh my god, how could we have overlooked this one? Yeah, we haven't yeah, yeah. talked about it on the show. We have, we have in fact referenced it a fair amount of time. Specifically, <laughs> usually the Los Lobos kick your balls into outer space. Los Locos. Yeah. Los Locos. Los Locos. Yeah, Los Lobos uh, is a band. They do not appear in film. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> and I would um, argue, I would argue, okay, there's two, there's, I would say that obviously we're dancing around the most problematic thing in this movie, which is Fisher Stevens reprising the role of Ben, who is an Indian character uh, that yeah. Fisher Stevens is playing in Brownface. A uh, character, they did, I will give them credit, they changed the character's last name from the first movie. Uh, I oh, guess really? to throw people off slightly, I don't know, or they forgot. I mean, that may be the most insulting thing is they were just like, ah, I guess he has some Indian last name. We'll give him another Indian last name. But the, I would say Los Locos are in some ways more offensive than Fisher Stevens' performance because they are 
it, the idea that like street gang, okay, Latino, and they induct Johnny Five into their gang, and he's immediately like, "Que pasa? Hey, ba da da!" And all they do is steal yeah. stereos from cars. I would argue they are even even more problematic than Fisher Stevens. Yeah, they have well. well, they have no they have no positive side. Whereas Fisher Stevens. He's a man who has uh, looked back on his career, apologized that this happened. Like he seems thoughtful about it. Uh, you know, look, even like even at the time, they should have known better. But it was of a course. different time. But the other side to that is at least he is creating a lovable, multifaceted character who is, uh, you know, an attempt to be I a think- full human being. He has a lot of malapropisms, <laughs> which are, you know, ethnic humor that are d- 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 certainly does not, <laughs> does not help. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's uh, but hardly, Los Locos are, le- are just like cartoon villain gang. Oh, and, and, all, and but also the fact that like they are, they're a multi-ethnic gang, but if the idea was, but they all speak with kind of Mang type accents, you know, and like mm-hmm. yeah. that, that the idea is just like, well, there, and also the fact that it's never clear where this movie is set. They never say, and they, and I mean, they do yeah. accept Johnny five into their ranks. He becomes a member of the I game. I mean, after, after they trick him into stealing several dozen car stereos, but, uh, there yeah. is a, this movie is never very clear. And when I was a kid watching it, I assumed it was New York because the second movie in a series is almost always the New York movie. Uh, uh-huh. and mm. they, but it's clearly not examples. The, uh, in uh, in Gremlins too, they go to New York. Doesn't, doesn't, doesn't he go, he go to New York, he goes to New York in the, in the first, first one? Oh, I guess he yeah. does. Right, right. He does. That's yeah. one of the different okay, ones. I but like, uh, or like the, the Muppets Take Manhattan is not the second one, but it's mm. it's a, one of the early sequels. Like there was a there was a feeling in a lot of movies. I feel like where it's like once the character has proved themselves, then they can go to New York. Yeah, like Jason, the biggest like how Jason proved world. himself yeah. by killing Killing yeah. all those teenagers in the sticks, and then he's like, "I got to take my act to the big city." <laughs> yeah, there was a scout who was scouting him in the at the at the summer camp. Went, you know what, kid? I think you got what it takes to go on Broadway. Wow, really? I could kill people on Broadway? Come on, kid! And then it didn't work out. He didn't really have what it yes. took. But uh, so the but this with this movie, it's shot in Toronto. And it's very clear watching it that they are dancing around where it is actually set. And so just the idea that they were like, "Uh, it's a city, a street gang." Latino street gang. It doesn't matter where we are. It's a big city. There's a there's a there's a Latino street gang. It's whatever. This is what we do. That that, yeah. uh, that laziness America, is in some ways though. more racist. But it's still it's but, not in Canada. It's it's not meant to be in Canada because they go through a citizenship ceremony at the end. Well, they, yeah. Well, that's yeah. the other thing is that it's it's that you know it could very well not be in the United States until the very end. Yeah, when they take he takes the oath of citizenship for the United States, which they usually don't do in Canada, as far as I know. They also have a uh, black three card Mahdi street hustler whose reaction to Johnny Five oh, is right. also cartoonishly sort of stereotyped. So oh, uh, wow, yeah, this is a real racist on the movie. Ethnic yeah, front, it's, <laughs> it's not. It's so good. racist. It's like I'm. So sorry, truly, to <laughs> anyone that potentially would be offended by this movie. It, and you know what I'm also going to say? Johnny Five yeah. is kind of a racist depiction of a of a robot. To be honest, <laughs> how so? He has no thoughts in his head other than whatever input has been given to him. Uh, he's just constantly spitting out nonsense. He's at when they're all like, "Oh, what's he going to bleed? Motor oil?" And or and then he does later, or battery fluid, or yeah, whatever it is. Battery he's battery fluid. Yeah. He's, he falls into a lot of robot stereotypes that he can read well, books real fast. <laughs> Johnny Five is definitely a uh, a character who uh, shows that. Knowing a lot of facts doesn't uh-huh. make you smart. But, but <laughs> and to return, Johnny Five, the character, doesn't show up for like 20 minutes into the and, movie. And also, I hate to break to you guys, Johnny Five was played by a puppeteer and a voice actor, not by a real robot. 
It took. Oh, it wasn't. Yeah. I think until Wally that you had a real oh robot played by a robot. Yeah, and yeah. so it's so they have real they have living or get flesh humans in Robo Face in this movie. <laughs> I, I, I had no okay, idea. Wait, hold on. I don't want to, too too much talk about too many jokes about uh, anti robot uh, sentiment to diminish the fact. Like I want to <laughs> let's let's address this fully and then and then move on and not really dwell on it. But yeah. Fisher Sweet Stevens is not an Indian man. He is doing this in brown face with a very broad Indian voice. Um, I don't think it is a, it is, <sighs> I don't think it is ill-intentioned, but it is very, very miscalculated, let's say. Yeah, and the strangest thing about it is that apparently in the first movie, they cast him as a white character and then decided to change the character to an Indian part, but then had him play it anyway. Yeah, which and is a, I, which is a strange way to do things. Yeah, and I look if I was a better, um, you know, sort of, I don't know what I, I, I don't, I, I wouldn't call myself the producer now that Alex does all the editing, but as a better uh, arranger of things for the show, uh, I might have <laughs> said to Ben, "Are you sure you want to do that?" But <laughs> but it was a movie that I saw a lot. But that's as why a they call Ben. Thought, the, that's why they call him the steamroller. Is he just wouldn't take <laughs> no for an answer when it came to short circuit yeah, too? You can tell how. <laughs> <laughs> how assertive and angry he is. As a, no, I, I was just like, I, you know, uh, we can probably address it, and there's a lot of other funny th things to talk oh, about. Sure. But it is, it, you know, it's it's a it's a thing that would keep me from recommending this movie to anyone now. Uh, as a kid, I don't think like you know, I grew up in the middle of the country. I just didn't like when I saw Fisher Stevens in another part. Like I was a kid, I was like, oh, he's. I didn't know. I thought yeah. he's white. I didn't. Yeah. What? Yeah. I mean, to be <laughs> it was very I, like, confusing. I grew up in New Jersey at a school where there were a lot of Asian American kids, a lot of Indian American kids. And as a kid, I never put two and two together that Fisher Stevens was playing it, playing an ethnicity that he was not. Um, and I was just, I was rereading the article that uh, Aziz Ansari wrote for the New York Times where how as a kid, he was like, finally, an Indian hero in a movie. And it wasn't until he was a, a college student that he was like, wait a minute, that guy's not from <laughs> India. Hold on a second. But uh, so there's, I, so you'll, you, you can say it's a bad, it was a bad decision, but Fisher Stevens kind of uh, did the best he could. Although you, you, I think he didn't really understand the problem until he saw Dana Carvey wear a turtle face in Master of Disguise, and he realized how much it hurts to see your culture appropriated. <laughs> oh, since Fisher Stevens does look like a turtle. That's true, yeah. Fisher Stevens does man. look like a turtle. He would be perfect to play Scar in the turtle remake of The Lion King. Yes. That would mean Michael Sarah would be playing the Simba the character. Yeah. There's a whole... Well, Michael Sarah's <laughs> the grown-up grown Simba, right? Yeah. He's, of course he's grown-up Simba. He's just doing these takes. You're saying it's a, it's a turtle-fied... Lion King? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like the Turtle King. But you got to yeah, clarify I, that it's based on the Lion King. So I say <laughs> a turtle version of the Lion King. I mean, mm. that the poster will probably call it Turtle King, but maybe maybe we'll release Isn't it as Turtle version. You're all the turtle. Think, He's I, a Turtle King. That's a very different that's, that's story, true, though. Yep. Very different story. Now, Stuart, the real question is, would the opening song still be the circle of life, or would it be the turtle of life? <laughs> that's a good question. Would I the mean, song turtles be Hakuna do Maturtle? look like circles. So they that's, do. They are around. Uh, yeah. Can you know. feel the it's shell good. tonight? I don't yeah. know. What are we doing? <laughs> Can you feel yeah. the shell tonight? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're all great okay. songs, yeah. Any other turtle references that we can make? Uh, I, well, I yeah. literally don't. I just want to, just want to finish casting this movie. Turtles. Who's playing? Like who's playing the Mus the Mufasa in that movie? Who's the dad? Mm. You know. Oh who's, man, that's and really what tough. animals? 
And what animals are Timon and Pumbaa? Because are these sea turtles or are they land tortoises? Uh, okay, so Timon and Pumbaa are not going to be turtles. I think it's essential that they are not. They have to I be agree. some so other kind, kind of creature, maybe. Yeah. Uh, so Pumbaa's main trait is what? Farting a lot? The, farting that, and being yeah. kind okay. of a yeah. What other yeah. animal farts a lot? Are we going to? <laughs> Dan, you I mean, know humans. a lot about farting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do fart a lot. Uh, let's okay. So Dan, uh, so Pumbaa is Dan. Okay, in this version. <laughs> so guys, let's talk, talk about, about let's talk about what happened. Short circuit too. Uh, why don't I take Why don't I take the summary reins on this one? How does that yeah, sound? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, the um, movie just opens quickly. Yeah, yeah uh, if quickly. I may, yes, quickly. Ben, yeah. The steamroller. Ben. I also wanted to just say I looked up um, an article in the L.A. Times um, that was a. a promoting this movie and it was an interview with Fisher Stevens. Uh -huh. And so, cause I know we're moving on, but I just wanted to quickly add this some is, choice quotes. This that is from just, the original release. Oh, yes. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. Back in yes. 1988, the year America so, made a choice, Bush or Dukakis, and they never looked back. This is um, one of the quotes when he's talking about his career. He says, I'm like the UN. Okay. Uh -huh. Yes. And then lists off some of the other roles. So not only has he done this as an Indian man, he's done this many times oh, in a bunch of other yeah, movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, this makes me feel he's less like it was a, a mistake. Out of it. It's so fucked up. I can't even like, because there is a tradition in Hollywood, right? Going way yep. back, you watch old movies. Oh, going back to the it's, earliest LA movies. Exclusively there are. watches yeah. old movies. And it's that's just, why, because I I don't like ethnic actors. I only want to see white actors playing geez. other ethnicities. I'm just oh, kidding. That's God. not why. Oh, we got it on it. We got it on. No, wax. no, it's on tape. No, that's not why. It's because old movies are just better. Aside from the the problematic elements, which there are many. But anyway, so you're saying, uh, so it's an old Hollywood tradition to not want to cast non-white actors. Yes, um, and it's just is so surprising to me that it's like in the '80s this is still happening. I, I'm like I'm just so astounded. So okay. One other, a uh, couple other pieces here. Um, at a benefit premiere of the film, this is included in the article, Princess Diana was surprised he was not native of <laughs> India when they met. What a weird uh, yeah. world where Princess Diana was sitting watching this movie. I know. That's what I'm like. I can't even imagine. I mean, there's never been a historical incidence of uh, a British person <laughs> being insensitive <laughs> to... India. I mean, there, there, nothing in uh, any biography uh, of Princess Di or even the movie Spencer are there moments where they show us her watching Short Circuit or Short Circuit <laughs> that should have been yeah. That should have been the ultimate low point for the character in Spencer was her having to watch Short Circuit too. Yeah, do, you think, that, do you think Kristen Stewart had to watch Short Circuit to get into the character? <laughs> yeah, because she knew Princess Di did it. Yeah, she did all, to get into that character, she did everything that she knew Princess Di did. She married Prince Charles briefly. She had two, two sons. She watched Short Circuit too. The idea that at a certain point, Princess Diana was sitting in a theater watching a robot do an impression of Crazy Eddie from the from the local New York area electronic store commercials is bonkers to me. That's nuts. Crazy Eddie, by the way, who then later works at Radio Shack? Well, that and was, then, I was confused. Because this is, it's confusing. We'll get to that. It's confusing. He's a character named Manic Mike in this one. Uh, not to be okay, confused with Magic Mike, who's very different. <laughs> I just think that that's like a local, that's a, you know, that, that's a local, uh, you know, mom and pop, you know, electric store 
type thing. Like the Radio Shack wouldn't have someone do that character. Probably no, not. No, no. Yeah. Well, well unless it's not. a franchise, you know? You know how it they could, franchise yeah. I mean, it out? By this point, this may have been already the – no, I don't wonder if Crazy True. Eddie was – it must have been still around. This was before Crazy Eddie's shut down because they were cooking the books and and uh, breaking – Okay, the, we're the getting way laws. ahead of ourselves. Let's, let's just let's get into Actually, the, we're way behind most, ourselves. There's no more, reason to have... talk about the downfall of the Crazy Eddie chain. <laughs> yeah, what other, what other facts do you have about Short Circuit 2 before we get into the story? Well, just the other thing about that premiere is that it was a benefit. <laughs> Whoa! It's a fucking benefit. It. So fucked That's up. Great. The weird thing okay, is, it was a benefit for it was it was, it was a benefit for a better representation in film. <laughs> <laughs> and this film was a, an example of what not to do. Yeah. Okay. So the last thing in this feature with Fisher Stevens is uh, he goes out with this quote: "I'd like to play a white guy someday." <laughs> oh, and he never did. And he never, never did. Not till Hackers. Just kidding. He's in Hackers. Yeah, he's in yeah. Hackers. Yeah. And he's in Lost and a bunch of other stuff. He's had a big, long career. Yeah, he's had a very long career. And he's an Academy Award-winning uh, documentary maker. Yeah. So yeah. so I guess so his if decisions he paid off this, in the long run. Yeah. Yeah, Fisher Stevens, you got what you wanted, but was it worth it? <laughs> what you had to do well, to get there? Really makes you think. All right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's so it. Short Circuit 2. Great. That, uh-huh. Those are all. That's all helpful context. The movie begins with what for me was its high point: the old TriStar Pegasus logo, which I have not seen in years. Yeah, uh, this, is era, yeah. this is the era. This the era before TriStar merged with Columbia, I think, and before they were all bought by Sony. So to see that horse with its flapping wings and hear that music, and then it gets trapped in a triangle, it brought back a lot of childhood memories. Yeah, you know, Elliot, I would feel bad about. Uh, backtracking, but you were just talking about the TriStar logo. So obviously, <laughs> we're not in too much of a rush. <laughs> no, no, we're uh, we're I, three I, seconds into the movie. We're not even into the I, actual film I, proper. I, f- yeah. I feel like before we talk about Short Circuit Two, we should give a brief summary of the events of Short Circuit, wherein sure, go for it. Steve Gutenberg and Fisher Stevens play uh, ro- robo scientists who have made these in Montana. Ro- yeah, made robots for the government. Uh, they're dismayed to learn that they're going to be, uh, you know, they put lasers on them. They're going to be used <laughs> as, as military things. Which is, which is naive on their part. That's yeah, incredibly yeah, yeah. naive on the robot maker's part. Uh, number five gets hit by lightning. Um, as shown on the poster for the movie. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, in true, uh, Frankenstein fashion, this makes him alive. It changes something in his, uh, programming. Like he becomes sentient uh i feel like during the 80s there were a lot of fucking movie posters with dudes getting hit with electricity yeah like that electricity was huge young einstein weird uh, science did they weird science possibly shocker yeah he goes (laughs) on the run uh let's to talk well let's not talk about that one (laughs) number five goes on the run (laughs) even more problematic another one there it's which is worth not talking about yeah Number five goes on the run. Uh, he meets Ali Sheedy, who is a local hippie who t- teaches him to respect life. Uh, Steve Gutenberg and Ali Sheedy have a romance. So they end up thwarting the government. Uh, that's basically it. The Gutenberg first one is kind of like the bad boy scientist, which is like the type of scientist that yeah. I just can't stand. It's like. Yeah. How often are we really like in the real world? Do we have a badass scientist? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure on some level, a lot of scientists are badasses within mm, their field, but I they might not fall within the confines nerds. of a traditional badass. <laughs> I feel like any I feel adult like when you, 
is committing like to homework for the rest of their friggin' lives. <laughs> yeah. Come on. And, yeah. Then, and it's a slippery slope from that just to like an Elon Musk type who thinks he's super cool and and uh, <sighs> is constantly face planting in different ways. And, like, you know. Okay, lava's cool. Lava is cool as hell. But like it's someone who cool. studies lava is kind of boring. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's like, well, I think I think part of the issue is that part of the issue is that most of science is not the fun stuff we see in movies. It's a lot of like right. keeping records and observing yeah. things very closely. And we're like, I wanted to be You're a scientist not. when I was when I was a kid because I had been taught by cartoons that being a scientist meant like building time machines and things like yeah. that, or yeah. like meeting yeah. aliens. But it's not. A lot of science is putting different chemicals into a hundred different vials that have bacteria in them and then recording what happens yeah. for the next couple weeks and then trying it again with a hundred new chemicals, you know. I forgot that Ben was the bad boy bully of podcasting, but I wanted to. <laughs> That's what they call him, bad boy bully Ben, another nickname. Yeah, I, it's one of my many nicknames. <laughs> I, I did want to, before I move on to Short Circuit 2 at long last, I wanted to say one more thing, which is, both of the Short Circuit movies are written by the same screenwriting team who also wrote Tremors. But the first one was, uh, I was surprised Perfect to movie, Tremors. learn, was directed by John Badham, who did yeah, John War, from War, War Games. Games and Saturday Night Fever. And this one is by a director who mostly did like Bionic Woman episodes and the TV show well, he, V he, and other I mean, stuff. He created the show lines. V. Created the, His name's Kenneth Johnson. He created the show Alien Nation. So like he's not... Just a like a he's a TV creator, I would say. No, no, I know. A, I just not just a journeyman look, director, but I don't. Yeah, he he had. He, I'm still impressed by the career. I'm just saying that, like, in terms of in Hollywood terms, it's like okay, we've got this like kind of big name director, and then they're like, okay, now give the sequel to the the, the TV guy. But he's, um, yeah, he's no, he's not John Badham, and John Badham is not even a top tier star director. You know, like, I don't yeah. think people are, it's not like people are like, oh, I got to go see the new John Badham. When are you guys going to do a blank check series on John Badham? I don't think anytime yeah, come on. soon. <laughs> no, I, I don't think that that, I don't think he ever got that, that blank check soon. is the thing. I don't yeah. know John Badham ever, ever got that blank check authorization. Um, but okay. Well, War let's, Games so let's, is great. We can now all that, agree on it that. It is great. I love that movie. If you're going to see a movie about an, a sentient AI that, is doing the wrong thing, then War Games is the movie to see and not not the short circuits. Okay, now that we're caught up on short circuit and we know that it's about a robot that comes to life, let's talk mm -hmm. about short circuit too. So we start off with uh, Fisher Stevens is uh, reprising his character of Ben from the first movie. As I mentioned, he does have a different last name than in the previous movie, which is I think is a, a sign of the slipshod nature of much of this sequel. Uh, he's out on the street of a of an unidentified city. As we mentioned, the movie allows you to believe it's New York. If you say New York, the movie's not going to correct you at any yeah. point. Uh, you know, the same way that some, uh, there are many times where I have not seen a movie or read a book that someone's talking about, and I just kind of don't say that out loud and let them believe that I know the thing that they're talking about. That's what this mm -hmm. movie is doing with New York. Yeah. Uh, and Ben is out on the street. He's selling tiny little toy number fives. Uh, that like to dance and things like that. And next to him is a guy named Fred, played by Mike McKeon, uh, mm -hmm. who is who is selling Rolex watches, which Who's is nineteen like eighties. Yes, it's that's nineteen eighties shorthand for con man is out uh -huh. on the street selling Rolex watches. And when when they're three buttons down, they're like a sleaze ball. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's exactly. How many buttons he undo? He's yeah. still, yeah, and he's always talking about his silk shirt and people. Yeah, not and, I, and he it. talks like this. He talks like this. Yeah, and there's a. It reminds me. There's a. The other day we were driving and we passed a Rolls Royce on the road, and the guy driving it 
was the sleaziest looking guy I had ever seen in my life. Like he looked like he was a drug kingpin's henchman in a movie from 1987. And I was like, it's kind of, it was either going to be a distinguished old British man or this guy who's driving this Rolls yeah, Royce. Yeah. You either thought he was going to stop and ask for some Grey Poupon or some shit. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Or, That's or an appropriate reveal, joke for this episode. Or, or, or reveal that the whole <laughs> trunk is just full of cocaine. That's the other thing. Yeah. Okay, so uh, Mike McKean is like, uh, hey, you know what? Uh, why don't I sell you some of these watches? But then one of the mini Johnny Fives. Has he started calling himself Johnny Five or no? Yeah, I think so. Okay, yeah, I couldn't I mean, remember he, if he did in the first movie. I mean, Who's Johnny, the song, was related to the first movie. I think, though, in the first movie, they just always called him a n- number five because when he shows up in this movie, he's like, I'm calling myself Johnny now. It's Johnny five. Yeah, so. yeah, and then is surprised by that. <coughs> so I was like, oh, I didn't realize that he didn't know that. Anyway, uh, that little robot, he rolls all the way through a huge shopping mall and rolls by the office of one Sandy Banatoni. Uh, played by uh, Cynthia Gibb, who for the past few years has been doing almost exclusively Christmas-themed projects. And uh, she is the toy buyer for this huge department store. Nothing she is interested in does her boss want to buy for the store. And it is, is, to be fair, all kind of shoddy, gimmicky junk that looks like you would find it in the bargain (laughs) bin of a Spencer's Gifts. Uh, I, I love that. I love that her last name sounds like Panatoni. And I also love that she's way ahead of the curve on giant eyebrow uh, fashion because her eyebrows are huge. They look awesome. <laughs> I hadn't really noticed the size of her eyebrows. Okay, well, I guess it's time for a rewatch of Short Circuit 2. <laughs> you know oh, what? God. Yeah, let me let me stop the recording. Let me watch Short Circuit 2 again. Uh, but her boss is like, I want high-tech stuff, high-tech things. And then Johnny Five rolls in, this tiny little robot Johnny Five. And she finds Ben, who it turns out is living and working out of a truck, and she says, hey, I want a thousand of these little robots toys. Can you make them for me? And Michael McKeon is suddenly like, uh, money? Yes, I'm your, I'm his business partner. Uh, yeah, we can build those for you. Uh, $50 a piece. Sure, sure. Anyway, we'll build you a thousand of those robots in 30 days. And, and Ben's uh, in love with her too, so that helps. Ben is instantly in love with her. So he's he's all tongue-tied, which allows Fred to, to swoop in and uh, just take over the negotiations. Meanwhile... There's a motorcade rolling into the city, and uh, like this wealthy. Fa- <laughs> Again, <laughs> this- we still don't have Johnny Five in this movie yet. We're not going to have it for no, a while. We're setting up all the poster. First, we're setting up all the pieces. We're setting the up the dominoes that Johnny Five will knock down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, a motorcade rolls into the city, delivering a priceless diamond collection to a bank. And I guess the diamonds are going on display somewhere in a week, but they're going to wait in this bank vault for a little bit until then. What do we care about diamonds? I thought this was a short circuit movie. Uh oh, wait and see. Like all kids' <laughs> movies from the '80s, this has to do with the things kids love. Kids love most. One. Corporate intrigue and how hard it is to start a business and keep it running. <laughs> Two, someone who's worked at a job for a long time that they don't feel respected at, so they decide to rob their employer. The two things kids love that are in most children's 80s movies, live action division. So, uh, and this Michael bank, McKeon, the, yeah. the, we watch the, the guards travel through the bank, which is a shopping mall, right? It's like, it's like a massive shopping <laughs> mall with escalators. <laughs> yeah. yeah, pretty much. It's, it's, or it's the biggest bank in the world. Uh, yeah. There's multiple levels and escalators. Uh, so uh, Michael McKeon, this being a kid's movie, he goes, to a, he goes to a pool hall where there's a stripper dancing to get a loan from a pool shark to start up their uh, Johnny Five toy making business. They rent a rundown building, shades of Ghostbusters in that. But that building, uh-oh, they don't realize in the basement, it's secretly the headquarters for two guys who are meant to are trying to tunnel 
in, across the street into the bank to steal those diamonds. Somehow they're using a computer to do this. I don't really know why. But the, the two graphics guys, are incredible. A, when they're like, how long yeah. is it going to take? We get like a little 3D representation of us flying through a fucking <laughs> tunnel. Like it's like the opening of a movie where there's popcorn and shit flying at <laughs> your face. And <laughs> you then know, it, it yeah. just ends with the word vault flashing. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Yeah, he really, he really cheaped out on the animation for the vault. Yeah. Um, one one of the one of the crooks is a is a technology expert and the other is just a cook he, crook he's just a guy who's who's a tough guy and so uh, Ben is now overseeing a staff of homeless people that Fred has hired to build little Johnny Fives uh, until the two crooks come in they can't have these guys in the building if they're going to use it as their headquarters they come in in masks and they just wreck the place with crowbars and scare everybody away oh no how's Ben going to make a thousand of these little robot toys it's impossible wait. But then a deus ex machina <laughs> arrives. That's right, a literal machina, because what appears in a giant packing crate? Dan, who is it? Oh, it's Johnny Five, and he, and this packing crate, this giant packing crate, like, jumps its way into the <laughs> into the warehouse. I'm not quite sure what the mechanism of that is. It's, but, it's uh, using the same physics that Hippity Hopper, the, the kangaroo from the Looney Tunes cartoons, would yeah. use if he was in a box and the box was jumping around. Yeah. This is about the point in the mo- you know him coming to New York is about the point in the movie that I tried to Google one of my favorite things from the early web. I, I, I wasn't able to find it. It may finally be gone from <laughs> scrub from the internet. But one of the my favorite weird things I found in the early days was someone had done this illustrated calendar of Johnny Five. Um, oh right, I remember for, seeing that also. Yeah, yeah. Each month was like a postcard that he. Or like a letter that he'd sent to Stephanie back home being like, I'm in France now, you know, like, oh, people are weird here. And like, it would be him like in a beret in front of the I fucking love that shit. or something. Yeah. And these like, Somebody you know, just did that shit in their free drawings. time. They weren't being paid. They just made these cool. It was just a fan thing for like somebody really love fucking loved Short Circuit. And I wish I could, I'm, I hope I'm it's still it. out there. It was I think beautiful in like sort of the innocence of it. <laughs> It was it was really groundbreaking, and you can and it's it it's it's a direct trail from that to the uh, recent fan comic where the two main characters of Zootopia are in a relationship and they break up because one of them had an abortion without telling the other one, and it <laughs> takes place in Jerry Seinfeld's apartment for some reason. I feel like that's that's the that's the the state of kind of fan fiction uh, of the of children's you can, characters. Yeah, you these can draw days. a direct line. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like the descent of man. But with those things. So anyway, uh, Johnny Five is here. Finally, this movie can begin. The star of the show, he rolls around making wisecracks. As always, he is hungry for input. He wants constant input. He reads a book really fast. Dan, did you have an issue with this? He reads The Hound of the Baskervilles and guesses that the chauffeur did it. And then the and then flips through it and goes, he did. Is there a chauffeur in Hound of the Baskervilles? This is uh, uh, the part where I admit that despite being a lover of all things Sherlock Holmes, I cannot make it through the full length novels. I don't really. I don't. Have you tried reading it like Johnny Five reads it? Uh, we just flip through the pages and don't yeah. really look at the words. Yeah, I mean, I read. I I did read a study in Scarlet, which is probably, from what I hear, the worst one. Uh, but you know, I had to read the the first Holmes novel and it was or, or story of any kind. And that's a bad one because half like part way through it just all the actions just switches to uh 
I don't know. Is it Utah? Like, like there's this whole like interlude where they talk about a bunch of Mormons in America, and it's just yeah. backstory for the solution of the the mystery that will eventually be revealed. And I'm like, where's Sherlock Holmes? That's what I want. But I I don't know. I never read. So that was all a, so that was a long way of saying you don't know. I'm surprised. I, don't know. I thought you were. I'm very surprised. <laughs> it is I, a long I like way that you, of saying that. You felt you had to defend your Holmes bona fides by telling us you did try to read another long Holmes one. Well, I, I, <laughs> oh, Elliot, I have a sickness uh, as a speaker where, like, I feel like I have to travel down every road and explain <laughs> all of it. And, uh, you know, my wife is a saint, is the <laughs> uh-huh. putting up with it. We're still yeah. talking and about so, Short Circuit 2, right? <laughs> I'm not sure. Ben, are we still talking about Short Circuit 2? Should we should we get back to it? How do you feel? Or I don't we, think we have to jump back into it. I'm, I'm willing to hear Dan sort of further explore just no. communication in general. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's so it's going to come as such a shock to our listeners is the thing. Okay, so Ben is like... Johnny Five can't learn that he's in a city. He loves input so much that he'll just roll. He'll just go outside and get lost and cause trouble. So he he kind of tells them that the entirety of the world is the building that they're in right there, and that there's nothing but a boring void outside, which is philosophically <laughs> uh-huh. an interesting proposition to put forward to a robot. Um, but Later Johnny explored he, in the movie Room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I guess in a yeah in a in a much more harrowing way. Uh, Johnny assembles a toy really quickly, and then he makes an "Isn't that special?" church lady reference. So he already has too I like much eighties. I like that. Input. I was excited about that. <laughs> oh, you I got were? that reference. By- <laughs> by the end of the movie, by the end of the movie, it is like a snowball rolling downhill of pop culture references. <laughs> until by the end, all of his dialogue is just like. It's just like go ahead, make my day, and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're racing faster and faster, and the He's stars getting more start input. to just blur together. <laughs> just getting more input. So uh, Johnny works at night while watching uh, a Tarzan movie on TV, which will come in later when he does a Tarzan move, and also sees a uh, a commercial for a Crazy Eddie style uh, place called Manic Mike's. You may recognize. The uh, guy playing Manic Mike, it's Don Lake, regular Christopher Guest uh, actor, and also, just like Fisher Stevens, was in the Super Mario Brothers movie. So this is uh, his second Flophouse episode appearance. So True, very yeah. exciting for him. He'll receive. He'll be receiving his certificate in the mail with a big number two on it. Uh, and <laughs> now, Dan, when, when when we, it'll just be the number two though. It'll so be when, very confusing yeah, for him. No when, other Johnny Five, when Johnny Five shows up to the warehouse, he starts building one of the little toy robots. Hmm. And I don't know about you guys. But he built it just as fast as a human would build it. He wasn't going that much faster. I don't know no, how that was going to solve all their problems. I think more that he can work twenty four hours a day. He doesn't. And need they don't rest have to or pay him. Yeah, they yeah. can pay him with input. Or whatever they yeah, call they pay him an input. The- <laughs> I was. I thought you were going to say, <laughs> "Will Johnny Five have like sort of a like some sort of psychological existential crisis?" When he's like making a smaller <laughs> robots building robots version yeah. of himself. I mean, it's like when people fuck each e- other and make little babies, like yeah. Little, yeah. little smaller versions gonna, of themselves. Only the same existential crisis that we all have when we make smaller versions of ourselves. <laughs> where he's like, he's like, how do I only put the good parts of myself in this toy and not the mm-hmm. bad parts of myself? And you, now that I have this, I can foresee a future where I'm not around anymore, and I have to give this toy the input it needs to go on its own and make its own little smaller toys, Polly Pocket-sized someday. Oh, my God. Oh, Could wow. you imagine it's them a- in little diapers? <laughs> I can, yeah, <laughs> That yeah. would be so sweet. <laughs> it would be very cute, Aww. very cute. Uh, it's basically, then, we're the, basically talking about batteries not included at this point, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, that's, they don't wear where, that's the movie where the alien robot uh, gets mistaken for a hamburger. <laughs> yeah, they flip a little yeah. 
cheese on it. Put cheese on it. Yeah. Oh, you missed that one? It's like from oh, the same really? time, right? Yeah, it's That's around the same where, time. Uh, I, it's is that Trevor? Donna Michi is the star. I think they might. there might be a connection. Let me check this, actually. Batteries Not Included is from 1987, so it's a year before Short Circuit 2. Came yeah. Out. And that, that's the one where like a uh, a like a, a building uh, is going to get torn down, but luckily these little robots save the day from outer yeah. space. They're outer space robots, right? But it's also another uh, movie they're, where it's like little. They're they're outer space robots, yeah. Where it's like little robots in the big city, yeah. Yeah. Much like the show Caroline in the city, which is also about a robot in a city. Huh? The robot is yeah. Uh, it's Caroline stands for what was it? It was uh, it was <laughs> classification. Awesome <laughs> robot. Uh-huh. Or living intelligence, not electronic, but it is electronic. That's <laughs> oh, it's, not a, it's not a great acronym. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, 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 you know, I remembered correctly. Uh, one of the writers of this movie wrote "Batteries Not Included." No, so, oh. yep, there is a connection. Oh, and Mick Garris uh, had the story. Brad Bird had a screenplay credit on "Batteries." Wow. Yeah, he's been around Heavy for a while. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, uh, yeah, no, that's batteries not good is a better movie. Have, should have been better if Brad Bird worked hard. Well, it's still, it's not a. I mean, he was young at the time. Anyway, yeah. uh, so uh, so D- Johnny Five gets seen. Oh, actually, this is the question I want to ask. So, did e- any of you guys grow up in the New York the or New Jersey area? No, I grew up in Jersey. Okay, so you grew up seeing Crazy Eddie commercials on TV, probably. Oh, for sure. Like I did. Yep. So Dan and Stu, were you familiar? If you had seen this as a kid, would you know this was a reference to a real thing? Was Crazy Eddie a national enough chain that you would have seen any in these commercials? I was familiar with the trope of yeah. Crazy Eddie the, like crazy style. Yeah, yeah, but I don't I, the know. Saturday that Night I, Live did a bit, right? Yeah. Did you guys That's ever what, see the question mark guy? Oh yeah, he's another oh, pitchman yeah. yeah. with a similar yeah. bit, Matthew. Matthew Lesko. Well, he was his was all about you know the government's giving out free money. Buy my book, and uh, so <laughs> a friend of mine he tells me a story I love where he was at a hotel and saw Matthew Lesko, the question mark guy, checking in, and he was like and he introduced himself and said like, "Hey, big fan," and the guy went, "The government is suing me," because <laughs> 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 apparently it's, a lot of those programs are not really meant for anybody to just apply and and get free money from the government. <laughs> uh, yeah, well. It's like subsidies, right? Basically, yeah. Like I think like, I think you do need to be a turnip farmer to get that turnip farming subsidy. You can't just say yeah. your house is a turnip farm. Uh, so, so uh, anyway, the bad guys they see Johnny through the window and they decide they need to smash him. So uh, the next morning, uh, Johnny Five he shows off all these new features and stickers he's got. He does the first of infinite manic Mike uh, crazy Eddie impressions that he does throughout the movie. Maybe he only does it a couple times, but it seems like a lot. <laughs> yeah, and infinite, Ben goes whatever. off to sign the contracts with the with the department store. Uh, and me and uh, oh, and, and we've already seen that uh, that Ben has fallen asleep the night before while studying for the citizenship test. He's studying uh-huh. to become an American citizen. It really makes you wonder how he worked on that top secret military robot program in the first movie without being a naturalized citizen. Yeah. But hey, you know that things were looser in the eighties. I don't know. Uh, and while talking to Fred, Fred lets slip that they're in a city. Uh oh, they're in a city. Input. Johnny Five goes out and goes sightseeing. He's making jokey observations about everything. And, uh, of course, and we're to believe it, it, that this like derelict warehouse is in the middle of town. Yeah, like, yeah it's like right there, like right across the street yeah. is like a big business plaza. It's yeah, yeah. I mean, to be honest, there are there are times when that happens, but it's yeah, it's usually not I guess, cheek by jowl. I guess like a, like a, now. <laughs> well, also yeah, the, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the funny thing about it. 
uh, too, was like, <laughs> like as soon as he finds out that there's uh, an exciting city outside, he wipes the grime off the window and looks out. And then it's like a series of shots of the most uninspiring things, like just like, <laughs> yeah. like a van like driving by or whatever. And, you know, I'm so naive even at my advanced age that it didn't even occur to me i'm like oh of course this wasn't shot in new york but i'm like why are they showing this like why isn't he like looking outside and being like oh the chrysler building or whatever like something <laughs> yeah that genuinely would be like oh i gotta get out and see the sights you know yeah well even of- if even if they weren't really shooting there they could just get a sh- get a stock shot of, of something exactly. exciting but more like, like but- oh look a mailbox is outside <laughs> i have you know? i have to imagine that the director was like this movie needs to establish a certain level of realism or the audience will never fall in love with Johnny Five. We can't just have people believe all these things are happening outside the window. We only can show the things that are really happening outside the window. And that's <laughs> yeah. why you get not very much. Uh, he uh, he goes. He of course he plays like mentioned. We mentioned earlier. He plays three card Monty and almost gets in a fight. Uh, he meets the uh, it meets the Los Locos street gang who have the immortal <laughs> rhyme, which I still remembered to this day, even before I watched the movie. Guys, you want to do it for me? What's the Los That's Locos rhyme? Up. <laughs> no, you can do it, Elliot. You, you seem primed for this one. Okay, so this uh, you got. If you want me to say it, Los Locos kick your ass. Los Locos kick your face. Los Locos kick your balls into outer space. And this was something <laughs> me a, and my friends child, when we I were seven. It was the coolest, funniest thing I've that, ever heard. We thought it was funny the funniest song. thing. It was the toughest thing. We thought it was so amazing. As a kid, we all thought they were called Los Lobos, which sounds cooler than Los Locos. But uh, mm-hmm. they, yeah, that's we all. It's it was amazing how. There are so many – I can never fully remember people's birthdays. And yet before the movie started started playing, I was saying the Los Locos rhyme to myself. This is yeah. ridiculous. It's also um, such a funny like conception of a street gang. It was like, okay, these guys are really tough, so they're going to have a rhyme. Of course, they'll have a song, basically. We want people to remember you. And the yeah. best way to do that is with a cool <laughs> rhyming jingle. Yeah. And so uh, they convince him to steal a bunch of car stereos and then he they, he, they say, make him part of the game. Um, what do they say? They say they are, oh, they're like part of the stereo department or something. They have some yeah, kind of like funny. To, they they talk about how they work for the city cleaning people's stereos and then bringing them back. And they go, we never oh, see our kids department because of we work so long. That's it, Zavarna Carver. And Johnny Five, he doesn't know. He's never experienced, no one's ever lied to him before. He's never even seen the movie, The Invention of Lying. It yeah. wasn't made yet. So he can't see the show Lie to Me. It didn't exist at the time. Doesn't so, know it was you know, Yeah. And so uh, he he joins their gang. And uh, I, the thing I thought, he gets the thing I did. Spray painted. He. They uh, spray paint him all over. Exciting colors. They yeah. give him a wild style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Makeover. Yeah. And he's and got he a gets, vest. Yeah, a little yeah, bit he of streetwear. Yep. Yeah. And uh, he gets found and returned back to uh, his headquarters by Oscar Baldwin, a nice man who works at the bank across the street, paid by Jack Weston, who is an actor that was in a thousand million things. Uh, and uh he uh he comes back Johnny comes back he offends Ben with the Los Locos rhyme Ben is very angry at him and Johnny is sad to learn that he was tricked and he's like why is everyone in the city so angry all the time why do they get so angry at me all the time and there's part of me that was like Johnny 5 that's a good question why are cities hives of aggression why do we why do they bring out the worst in people sometimes but also you're very annoying you're a very annoying robot <laughs> you're bumbling around saying annoying things like that's why they get mad at you it's you a lot of the time Johnny 5 yeah but I, it- it is like like the whole theme of this movie, and so much as there is one, is like Johnny Five is alienated because no one will believe that he's alive. 
Yes. And they think he's a of, toy or a stunt or a puppet or yeah. Yeah, and and uh at the you know, at the end his big triumph is getting citizenship. And it's interesting that like for all that <laughs> for all that this movie makes so many like racial mistakes, it also is like trying to make a stab at like this idea of like inclusivity because like yeah. you, you, Ben also like bonds with Johnny Five over this idea of feeling like he's the other and lonely in the city, which, you know, in a much smarter movie would be interesting, but like it. Well, and it's also one of those things where done well, that's a statement on how we dehumanize people who are different, but done right. poorly. It is saying that this Indian man has more in common with a robot than with a yeah, white yeah, person, exactly. which is terrible, exactly. which is a terrible message. Yeah. <laughs> Like like any movie like any movie where where uh, an indigenous person is like a, an amazing tracker and is closer mm-hmm. to the animal spirits than other people like that's not okay I mean, that's not he's named Hawk Ellie <laughs> <laughs> fair point fair point uh, so that night the crooks break in they try to attack Johnny and he throws them out while quipping a lot uh, the next morning uh, Fred learns that Johnny is an eleven million dollar robot and wants to sell him and Ben is like no he's my friend. And uh, he takes Ben to lunch to distract him and convinces him to go ask Sandy out so that he can go take uh, Johnny Five and and try to sell him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but Johnny Five uh, gets he gets distracted by a big bookstore. Uh, he he loves all the input and he takes two books as Fred kind of hustles him out of there. Uh, the crooks try to break into the factory again. They want to burn it down, but Johnny Five has set up a bunch of traps that and he, and that also involve a recording of him quipping. So even when he's not there, he yeah. can still quip loudly. <laughs> Uh, this movie runs on quips. Uh, so Fred, Fred takes Johnny five to this company to sell him. And I was confused here. Maybe you guys can help me out on this. The people walking into the room seem to know about the Nova corporation robots that Johnny was part of. They're talking to each other and they're like, I thought they destroyed all those Nova corporation robots. But then when they get in the room with Johnny five, they're like, okay, so how does he work? Is it like a remote control? Like where are you controlling him from? And so it's like a second ago, they knew what this was and now they don't like, are they trying to con Fred? Ben, explain it to me, please. In the first movie, the difference between Johnny and the other robots is they don't have consciousness. Uh-huh. So they're, they, they understand them to be traditional robots mm, and that they I don't see. speak and they uh, are just programmed, whereas Johnny mm-hmm. is a free thinker. Yeah, do they so wait, do these other robots like watch TV and then mimic what they watched and uh I mean they they're built th- uh, so that they could do that if they wanted to. But they they probably don't cuz they weren't hit by lightning and given the power of consciousness. Correct. Okay. Correct. Yeah, that's why the same thing happened to Benjamin Franklin with the kite and the key experiment was he was hit by lightning and suddenly he could think for himself and was repeating stuff from TV all the time. Yeah, and yeah. it made the other founding fathers very irritated that uh-huh. he would, they'd, they'd, they'd be like, uh, Ben, it's your turn to sign the Declaration of Independence. And he was like, I'm going to do it because I'm crazy, I'm lazy, and I'm out of this spacey. And they're like, mm-hmm. please stop. We know you saw that commercial, Ben, but please stop. <laughs> um, so that happens when you get hit by lightning. I guess. Uh, and Johnny Five is like, you're trying to sell me, but I'm alive. I won't be a slave. And he falls out of a window. Luckily, he ha- does have a hang glider uh, that comes out of his back. And he lands at a sculpture garden where a spectator calls him repulsive. And that makes him sad. Yeah. I, was, I was worried about Johnny Five when he fell out that window. I got to admit. I that Oh, then you're really going to be worried when he gets beaten all to shit with a crowbar later on this in the movie. This movie really played on my emotions uh, with the way that it treated uh, uh, Johnny Five because he he goes through some shit and he's like, I was not as irritated as Elliot. I'm like, this is just a naive, innocent robot in the city uh, yeah. who's almost 
getting destroyed at every turn. But like, I was worried when he was falling out the window because it seems to happen for a very long time. And he's like, he has a, lo a lot yeah. of time to like think about it. He's like, oh, this isn't good, you know? Mm, gravity, velocity, falling at uh, X miles per second. Yeah. You know, yeah, he's it's a very it, tall building, Dan. It's a it very takes tall him a while. building. To, yeah, put his hang glider out. You know what? Wait escape. a minute. He's like a robot in the city, and he falls in with some crooks, and he gets beaten up a lot. They just uh -huh. ripped off Chappie with this movie. Wait a minute. Uh -huh. Short Circuit 2 is just a rip off of Chappie, guys. Yeah. This is yeah. crazy. Uh -huh. I can't believe they so blatantly rip off Chappie. Anyway, I'm sure we uh, said the same thing when we reviewed Chappie all those years ago. <laughs> that we said that Chappie is a rip off of Chappie. Yeah. Uh, so Sandy is getting chewed out by her boss for trying to sell junk at the store. When Ben walks in and she's stressed, he tries to make awkward chit chat. He does. She doesn't even recognize that he's trying to ask her out. And so, wah wah, uh, Ben, he, he he just couldn't pull it off this time. Johnny Five, he has the bright idea to steal some clothes so he'll fit in. <laughs> so he steals the most enormous shirt in the world uh -huh. <laughs> and a hat. Right? He has I very he's broad shoulders. For, you know, he's a robot. <laughs> he's but that, that's well, he's a shirt. robot. <laughs> Yeah, but that shirt, who would wear that shirt? Who is wearing this shirt that's the size of a robot? It's 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 astounding. It's a yeah, big and tall robot store. Should we <laughs> describe what Johnny looks like? For yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. some oh, of the yeah, people out there point. that yeah. are not going to even bother to watch. If you've uh, seen this... Wally. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, Johnny He's like a Five. big Wally. It's like yeah. a big Wally. Uh, like well, Instead of legs, he's got like tank tread feet. Sure, sure. Yeah. I want, somebody tall... to, I want somebody to draw this robot based exclusively on this description. <laughs> His yeah, body okay, so is that... like a reclining chair kind yeah. of look to it. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a heart, like the in the internal structure of a reclining chair. Yes. Uh, and he's got he's got two long arms with like with robo fingers at the ends, and then his head is like kind of like Wally's. It's like a flat. Uh, it almost looks like a like a boombox. Uh, yep. But he's got two waggly eyebrow. Tops I would say, that, that, and I don't know why they put that on the robot. To be honest, I don't know why the robot has. Oh, has but it's like it, yeah. it looks like a kind of like a. It looks like a viewmaster sort of with, yeah. you know, the head, and then the eye. Yeah, it has these flat pieces of metal that are eyebrows, which are also the brilliant thing about Wally's design, which I think honestly took a lot from this. Uh, you know, it shows a lot of emotion, and this was designed by a guy who worked on Tron and Blade Runner. I think it's a really Cool it was design. Sid, it was Sid Mead who designed him, right? Yeah, and the I think and so. it's, the, it's performed by a, a, a Muppet performer who does the voice as well, and I think that probably did the the movements because I read that they had it set up so you know it's, it's it was like motion capture. They had like yeah, yeah. like a guy in like well, a, a suit. He kind of moves around like a Skeksis. Moved and then yeah, radio control say, moved the thing. And, and that puppeteer, Tim Blaney, he worked on Mystery Science Theater when I worked on it. He was one of oh, the awesome. one of the bot puppeteers. And then I just I was too nervous to talk to him about about Johnny Five. And someone just pointed out and they go, "You know, he's Johnny Five, right?" And I was like, <laughs> "What?" Because I hadn't seen the Short Circuit movies in years and still liked Johnny Five. And now having watched Short Circuit Two again, I don't like him anymore. But, <laughs> oh but no! It was, yeah, yeah. No, but it was still I was still super impressed that the guy who did the the puppeteering. Was working for it, you know. Was working on that on the show yeah. with us, but it was only watching this movie that I realized that Johnny Five has a nose too. That there's like a bump oh. in between his eyes that looks like a nose, and there are times when he kind of looks like if Urkel was a robot, even more than the Urkel bot looks like if Urkel was a robot. Oh, Prove me interesting, wrong. yeah. And <laughs> uh, and his body position is wrong? a little bit like 
Prove me wrong. Have you have you ever sat in one of those ergonomic chairs where you're like feet are kind of under you a little bit? Like it's almost like you're sitting on your knees, kind of. You know what I'm talking about? That's yeah, kind of yeah, what. Sure. It's kind of like that's kind of what Johnny Five's body <laughs> posture. Yeah, like. he's he's always <laughs> like in kind of a meditation stance. Yeah, <laughs> his eyes and, uh, are apertures and like a camera, and yeah, I yeah, do yeah. feel like it's effective too. To like that, that's another aspect of like how he's expressive. Yeah. Yes. I mean, to, there, of all the issues with this movie, the design of Johnny Five and the puppeteering of Johnny Five are not one of them. Like, yeah, it's yeah. A, that it's was a huge a, it's hit. It's amazing. Yeah, it, it's it's a, in this one and the last one, it's an amazing puppeteering job. Like, for all that you know you're watching a movie, you never feel like you're not watching a robot rolling around, oh, talking he, and interacting with things. Like, he always he feels like have, a, a living robot. Yeah. He does have kind of a nose, and it's like, it's like a, but it's like a black kind of, uh, you know, box boxy nose and that yeah, combined with something. the uh the eyebrows gives some kind of a groucho look that i like um yeah i, I, I also oh sorry i was gonna say it's kind of weird i don't know that he ever does a groucho impression maybe in the first one but he does look like groucho so sorry <laughs> ben you were gonna say uh i like the design like i like of the robot itself the aesthetic where i like on blank check uh regularly always love to talk about old school graphics visual effects and I feel like the Apple aesthetic, that sleek kind of aesthetic, yeah. um, it's just so nice to see this throwback, kind of a rector set looking kind of robot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I like, agree. It's like just, boxy, it's, almost cobbled together. Like, yep, yeah. Yeah. It's got, so it's got wires and things. Yeah. yeah. You're saying like you the, you're saying the opposite of the two art critics who see him in the sculpture garden. Right. Who are they like call that. Him repulsive. Yeah. Yeah. Who are like the classic 80s style, like, uh, you know, like yuppie hipster types. Who yeah, nowadays, like a lady I'm like, like a, nowadays, I like look a, at them, I'm like, man, they look fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> They do but look Clark, cool. Clark, but yeah, as, Clark Griswold is just off camera ready to like dump some shit on him or something. Watching <laughs> watching Christmas Vacation now, I'm like, why are they fucking with those cool people yeah. in the store? <laughs> like they have the There's, house I want to have. I mean, that might be I've, – I've said it before. I've been on record that Christmas Vacation is the first movie I remember seeing and thinking, I don't like this. I don't like what I'm watching. <laughs> like what am I doing wrong? I don't like what I'm seeing right now. It has um, a weird yeah, sourness. I, I, yeah, yeah, but I agree, Ben. That it, there's some, there is something very refreshing about this old school design that looks like a machine. It doesn't. It's not rounded and cute and and smooth and sleek and you know, it doesn't look like a toy, which is ironic because they're making toys of him. Uh, so Ben want uh, so uh, Johnny Five's rolling around. He sees a church and there's a sign that says "Looking for Answers," and he goes in and goes into confession. And the priest is surprisingly accepting and keeps talking about how everyone has a soul and he's alive. Then he sees it's a machine and he kicks him out of the church. Oh boy. To talk about talk about a harsh satirical yeah. statement on the non-inclusiveness of uh, of Catholicism, I guess. And uh, he says you can't confess by remote control. He's very offended by it. So obviously, so Johnny Five is making trouble in a bookstore, making trouble in a church. He's probably making trouble in a bubble, just like in Biodome. And yep. these cops stop him and arrest him. And he does a John Lovitz impression. And they give him, uh -huh. they take mug shots of him and everything, even though yep. then they put him in the stolen property room. And Ben is brought in to get him. And he finds the books that Johnny Five took from the bookstore, Frankenstein and Pinocchio. Obviously, Johnny Five is working through some issues. Uh, the cop... One of the, like, there's, like, some cop that has a really funny, like, take uh, where he's just, like, mug shots. Like, <laughs> are you fucking serious? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
And uh, that night- He's like, uh, I only get one line. I'm going to fucking nail it. Hell yeah. (laughs) I'm going to do it as big as possible. I I hope there's a take of him going, mug shots! And falling over backwards. (laughs) Like his feet just are coming out of the frame like a Bazooka Joe comic. No one um, falls like that anymore. No. Or you get no. the feet all the way the up flip in the air. Yeah. Flip take. The, and people used to fall like that constantly just from yeah. what stuff people said to them. They were just I so hate, shocked. I hate being that guy. It's like, you know, talking about like Gen Z and stuff. Yeah. But it's just like we don't get f- like slips like we used to. Yeah. If, if, uh, you no. know, people got to yeah. stop spending all their money on avocado toast and start falling out of frame. Mm-hmm. So that you can see their legs more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you know, back, back back when we were growing up, if someone told you something surprising, you would just flip backwards and just <laughs> bowl and, over. And, and there wasn't all this free pornography everywhere. You had to work hard to get it. You had to put your reputation on the line to go to a public place that sold it. And these or kids did. They just don't hang know how around easy a they train station and find some lying around the tracks. Yeah. Or, or in go the into woods. a forest in. in yeah, or in the woods in New Jersey and dig Absolutely. them up where some old man has left them. Yeah. That's and if you were to find the bag of magazines and you you know, discover it, you'd fall backwards. Uh-huh. Surprise! <laughs> and kick your feet and, up. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of a lot of young men died hitting their heads on rocks and trees after finding yeah. pornography in the that woods. That was the original plot of Bridge to Terabithia. I, <laughs> I still remember. Was they found? Was that he, he went out into the woods by himself and found porn, and that's why he died? Oh, exactly. So sad. That's why it's so sad. I, st- I still remember being in a B. Dalton at uh, our local mall and going uh, and like I was in the humor section or whatever and someone had stuck a penthouse back there and I, you know, it's like I've, I've, it's like finding buried treasure and uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know why those ladies decided to go rollerblading in the nude, but uh, God bless them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Seems Live like your life, girls. Fun. I hate to break to dance because someone was paying them to take pictures of them rollerblading. Oh, in the what? Game. what? Yeah, this isn't like Life magazine. They were doing it for the love of the game. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. Let's not cheapen our nude rollerblading by accepting money for it. Uh, yeah. d- so did the B&B Dalton just stand for books? Uh, yeah, books. It's Dalton. gotta be right. <laughs> I think so. I mean, it was founded by Dalton from Roadhouse. Maybe he was trying to separate uh-huh. himself from his. Oh, maybe it's Bouncer Dalton. That's what it stands uh, for. Yeah, yeah. probably is Bouncer Dalton. Okay, so that night, uh, Johnny Five tells Ben he's feeling lonely. Ben admits he's lonely, too. He's afraid Sandy's going to reject him. Johnny Five decides to help him with all the romantic input he picked up at the (laughs) bookstore. Uh, And the next day, the robbers are like, you know what? Let's get the robots to steal the jewels. And we find out their man on the inside of the bank is Oscar Baldwin, the nice man at the bank who befriended Johnny. He says, I'll handle the robot. You just keep doing what you do. Uh, And Johnny Five helps Ben accidentally on purpose, run into Sandy. And then he broadcasts, th- he like uses his little <laughs> antenna to yeah, take like over an Cyrano, electronic yeah. sign to broadcast things for Ben to say, which already from the beginning, the things he's saying are not good. But then a cat jumps on Johnny Five and for somehow this somehow this messes with his broadcasting so now he's broadcasting advertisements and things, in, offensive things in Spanish. And this is, uh, it just- <laughs> so, I'm sorry for interrupting. I mean, just, this is a scene that I remember most Clearly, from watching this countless times as a kid, because um, I don't know, I really actually genuinely laughed at <laughs> when you know, like, because Ben is apparently willing to say whatever Johnny Five. <laughs> he doesn't gives read him. it and then think about it. He just reads. <laughs> it. He starts reading yeah. it as he's saying it, and so by the end of each, it goes. It takes a tough man to make a 
tender chicken. Like he, and yeah, he never that, stop. He never doesn't finish it. He always says the whole thing. That, it's, that was it's, a specific moment there. that really made me laugh as a kid. The tough man to make a tender chicken because you all, <laughs> then also there's a little like very old time like pixel animation of like a man punching a chicken <laughs> and he yeah. just like gives this quizzical <laughs> look. <laughs> but before this, like, yeah, Johnny Five's Cyrano is 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 not very good because like you know, she'll just say something like the word stage and he'll, and he'll be like and Johnny Five's like, "Oh, I I know a quote about stage. I you know, all the world's a stage." And um yeah, it doesn't seem like uh it's good good dating advice. Uh, another part of this moment in the movie is then uh, a man shows up with, uh, I guess, peanuts and balloons. Yeah, uh, yeah. This is the it's middle, middle of the night. Of the, <laughs> the middle who of the is night. selling balloons? <laughs> <laughs> and who's buying balloons in the middle of the night? <laughs> On your way home, you're in the doghouse. Did you buy a couple yeah, balloons? Yeah, like, oh, I'm no, no, I forgot. It's my anniversary. I got to get some balloons and peanuts yeah. on the way home. Smooth things over with a big bunch of balloons. I I missed. There used to be a guy who would uh, who would go to all the bars in Park Slope selling athletic socks, and it's probably the same sort of thing, right? Like buying socks from the sock guy. And I feel like going to a bar like. Yeah, a lot of our bartenders need new socks. So it was it was a pretty good deal. Yeah, that was a good idea. Uh, and so, uh, Ben, he admits the whole thing. I have a friend who's broadcasting this. You're fucking me up that you keep saying my name. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I can, see, like, I can see it messing Every it single yet. time, I'm like, I'm I, not hanging out with Johnny. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> wish, that guy. you wish. Well, I'll say, I would say Fisher Stevens, but he so disappears into the part of Ben that, you know, it's not really him. Mm, he uh, he so does fit, put 110% in. Yeah. So, so Fisher Stevens, he admits that it's all a, a ruse they put together. And this wins over Sandy instantly in the way this happens always in sitcoms and movies where it's like, you made such a big effort for me. It's like, you, why didn't you, you say something? To, why were you doing you all this weird shit? You wanted to lie to me? And so uh, they start yeah. they start bonding over their love of old-time rock and roll. And uh, Johnny <laughs> Five helps them a, catch a cab. A new cab. characteristic of Sandy that we <laughs> haven't heard And before. a new characteristic of, of Ben, to be honest, that I don't <laughs> yeah. think we've, we've heard for before. For some reason, this was the part that really hung up hung Audrey up that like all of a sudden we learned that Sandy like she's like Sandy all we knew about Sandy is that she was a nice girl we didn't like know it like (laughs) her one quality was like just kind of vaguely nice and now she's like she loves rock music and I'm like why are you getting more hung up on the fact that she seems immediately interested in Fisher Stevens even though he's been acting super weird and had this creepy yeah. like scheme to talk to her. Well, yeah. and then as soon as as she agrees to go out with him for more, a robot jumps out, shoots a <laughs> suction cup dart at a taxi cab, reels it back into that for them, and then they get in it and drive away. Like that's a big red flag at starting a relationship. If if this guy is followed around by a violent robot that <laughs> essentially is stealing a car, like yeah. Ladies, don't if he shows up on the first date and he yeah. got a giant robot with a suction cup that pulls <laughs> yeah. a taxi back. Uh I think that's a red flag. Let's go yeah, don't go to a second location with the Instagram guy who was a big robot. <laughs> uh so the next day they deliver the toys to the department store. And I have to admit, I had I had lost track and I thought they were still making them. I don't know where Johnny Five found the time, what with getting arrested and rolling yeah. around the city and going to church. Input, but apparently yeah. he finished all those robots. So that that deadline is no longer hanging over them. The stakes for that are over. Yeah. Also, he just is like having a conversation with the delivery man. And yes. like it's it's like this thing where sometimes, all right, fine, he's on the street, 
Yeah. Like, he's just rolling by, like, New Yorkers. New Yorkers right? are like, okay, whatever. Eh, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I don't got time. You know? it's like, I don't got like, time to ask follow-up questions. Sure. Even, like, I mean, you see a famous see... person, you know, it's like, you're like, yeah. oh, I got to respect them. It's like yeah. the same with a robot. Yeah, they're they're used to seeing Marie Futterman walking down the street fighting a bat gremlin. Like they're they're New Yorkers yes. aren't phased by very much. A no. frog and a pig might get out of a car and go to a diner. Jason <laughs> might kick a boombox. <laughs> oh, 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 Tom don't and look, Jerry uh, might like you know show up at a hotel. <laughs> at a hotel, like, Ideally, there's a big yeah. gorilla climbing climbing a skyscraper. Well, don't look up; they'll know you're a tourist. Don't look at that gorilla. Like yeah, it's yeah. New York; they've seen it all. You know. Ghosts. Santa Claus shows up working in a department store for some reason. Yeah, there's yeah, ghosts the in the library. Marshmallow Man. Bill the Butcher and a bunch of other gangs are going to have a big fight. <laughs> yeah, there's a... Baseball Furies. Yeah. Bill Murray can't seem to get out of the city and he's dressed like a clown. It's New York. Mm-hmm. They, they've seen it all. They've seen it all. There's a yeah. lady giving birth to Satan's baby. You know, it just happens. <laughs> it's New York. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, only in New uh, York. So, but yeah, so now he's just having a conversation with the delivery guy, and the delivery guy is just razzing Johnny Five constantly. He's like, take me to your leader. Oh, like making robot and alien jokes. And it's like, are you not astounded that a robot is handing off these <laughs> yeah. items for you to deliver? This <laughs> has to be the most charge. <laughs> yeah, it's, like this has to be the most exciting thing that's ever happened to you in your delivery job. But I guess, again, he's seen it all. He's, he's accepting packages from time travelers. I guess he yeah. goes to Doc Brown's after this to get packages. Like he goes to the, he goes, he goes to another warehouse and a xenomorph walks out and hands him like a supply of candy that has to go to a store. Yeah. Like uh-huh. this guy, he's seen it all. So, um, uh, when they're finished, Ben comes back from his date, implying that he spends the night with Sandy, which is uh, yeah. which is amazing. Yeah, it's, some, it's and, full full on day at this point. Yeah, and it's, he's it's smoking a cigarette. He's smoking a cig. That's yeah. why. You yeah, know. he's still in the that's, same that's, clothes, but his tie's a little loose. We know what that means. Yeah, we know what that means, guys. For, <laughs> yeah, that's shorthand for sex. And uh, <laughs> when the robbers come in and kidnap them, and Oscar jumps out and he distracts Johnny Five and then talks him into digging a tunnel ostensibly to keep Ben safe. He's worried about Ben. This is a big city. Let's make him an yeah. escape tunnel that he can get dug in. Meanwhile, Ben and Fred, they get thrown into a freezer in the back of a Chinese restaurant, uh, and they argue, and then they make up, and then Ben reveals that Johnny Five is alive and will die if he runs out of electric power. I don't remember why he was worried about that at that moment, but because uh, as far as they know, they don't know that Johnny Five is has been talked into digging a robbery tunnel, uh, yeah. but they're worried yeah. about it. And as Johnny Five digs, Oscar complains about his job and how he handles all this money, but he never gets any of it. And Johnny Five comes out and hugs him, which I did think was a funny moment in the movie yeah. that he takes a break from being being an unwitting criminal to do hug this guy. Um, yeah. The only thing that would have made it funnier is if he had hugged him too hard and crushed him and then was like, oh, no, oh, no, I disassembled <laughs> Oscar. Oh, no. And he doesn't know what to do. Yeah, Ben has to take but him out in the woods all, and shoot him. <laughs> we're, and now Ben has apparently been in the freezer for for a day, for hours, because he's like, oh, I'm missing my other date with Sandy. They made a date for the next night, and Sandy is all wow. dressed up waiting for yeah. him. And uh, the only way they can get in touch with her is, so okay, so somehow I guess he had a big calculator with this him. Is and this is wild. This is fucking absolutely wild. It makes no sense. There's a currently unused phone line in the freezer that they're in. I uh-huh. guess in case someone needed to make a really private call, 
Uh, yeah. We're doing an inventory over the phone, and he managed. Ellie, you to don't turn... have a freezer phone, and your walk-in freezer. <laughs> uh, yeah, I should get one. I don't because my cell service is so bad in my walk-in freezer, which, by the way, has very little in it. There's not a lot. In the... They don't need a walk-in freezer. There's like ten ducks in there, I think, and that's yeah. about it. And and they shouldn't be handling frozen ducks. They should be getting fresh ducks, cooking them right away, hanging them in the window to entice me to come in because nothing looks more delicious to me than a freshly <laughs> shellacked. Chinese food duck hanging in the window. Guys, is there any way to resist it? They look so delicious. They are delicious. The yeah. uh, I do yeah. like that Michael McKean just keeps breaking over boxes, open boxes, <laughs> and, is, and is like, uh, it's more like lobsters or whatever. Like, he's completely nonplussed about, <laughs> like, what was he expecting to find? Like, a lock-picking kit? Like... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, I thought maybe there might be a, one of those holes from Roger Rabbit that we can yeah. throw onto a wall and then walk <laughs> oh, through man. it. And uh, so he, but he manages. So Ben is such a genius. I mean, he he invented a sentient robot with some help from lightning. Maybe there's lightning in the freezer <laughs> that helps him build this. That he takes his huge calculator and which I don't know where he was keeping it uh, under his shirt maybe, and he turns it into a device that can transmit Morse code over the phone line and also call over the phone line. So they yeah. manage to call. Sandy's number, but he doesn't know Morse code. So he taps out a series of classic rock songs, each of which has a clue in it to direct her from <laughs> her apartment order. to the yeah. restaurant. In order, yeah. Uh, and it starts with Help Me Rhonda, and that's how she knows, oh, it must be Ben who needs help. Who else would tap out the the sound to Help Me Rhonda on my answering machine? It's This is, there's so many leaps of logic here, <laughs> and it is by far the zaniest thing that happens in the movie. If you got that message, you would be like a ghost is trying to connect with me <laughs> yeah. over the yeah. phone. Or that just like, yeah, like, I don't know. It, I I guess it, it's too early for like it to be the internet. Yeah, but I would somebody's be like, modem called me. Yeah, I think somebody's modem message. called me or just like, oh, there's something wrong with the phone line. I wouldn't be like, hmm, this, this beeping sounds kind of like help me, Rhonda. I guess I... <laughs> Better go find my new boyfriend. Well, and I like I must, that he, I must use my es like, my escape room skills to help them. And it seems like he continues doing the song long enough for her to recognize what it is. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like he has to build in that window of like, okay, she's going to hear it. It's going to take her a little while to figure this out. So I'm going to just keep doing it for a bit. I do what and, and I do like what this leads to though, which is like her driving all around town uh, in a taxi, and the taxi driver just like immediately getting on board with this and just yeah. like and being like enthusiastic. Because this is the 80s, he is a Russian cab driver who loves American music because yeah. uh -huh. in the 80s, Russians in movies were always crazy about it. They loved America. They were like, oh, this is great. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, and so- um, I've seen Red they, Heat. I know all about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Moscow Dock the of the Bay starts playing and they go, the docks. Broadway, head down to Broadway. And so he knows all the songs too. And he's just up for this scavenger hunt adventure. And I'm sure the fair is going to be enormous. Like this is- Yeah, yeah that's it's, probably why he's It's happy. a long drive. Yeah. Uh, so she finds them. Apparently no one, there's no one in the restaurant at all because she can just walk in and open up the freezer, which correct me if I'm wrong. Usually if you walk into a restaurant, they don't just allow you to go in and open up the freezer and, and just explore. Well, um, she, you know, you, it she depends on who's on shift. <laughs> Los Locos, she was like, I'm from the city's freezer department. Yep. <laughs> oh, that's, oh, I thought you meant that she kicked their ass, their face, and their balls, and they flew In into order. the stratosphere. Yeah, they flew into, into orbit. <laughs> and, and so uh, Johnny Five, he finally cuts into the bank vault, and he realized that, and Oscar takes the jewels, and uh, Johnny Five is like, wait a minute, this is a bank vault. Those are famous jewels that I recognize. We're stealing. 
and Oscar runs off and Johnny Five runs off and then the bad guys chase him and this is when they beat him up with crowbars so badly that they're just smashing his body apart and there's sparks flying out and there's oil co- or fluid coming out of him. It's it's horrific. It's real. I I have to imagine when I was a kid this must have really a, yeah. Just, a, like, it's like the opening of fucking RoboCop, right? When yeah, Murphy gets is. all it blasted, like, it, it yeah. just stressed me as an adult. Like when like the like red battery fluid splatters over like the one guy who's like, you don't understand. This is artificial intelligence. Like like the criminal who kind of has is, is sympathetic a little bit to Johnny Five. Yeah. Like you can't destroy this. And that makes him the worst criminal, though. Yeah, it's just like the horror of it. And because the whole he knows time, like, that what he's doing is bad, and he does it anyway. Yeah, and all while Johnny Five's like, dude, don't. Don't disassemble. I'm alive. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, and it's and Oscar's going, kill him, kill him. Like it's horrible. The whole thing and is up horrible. to this point, up to this point, Johnny Five has been super badass. Like every other time they've tried to like physically yeah. stop him, he just whips their ass and like throws him around like he's the bionic woman. Yeah, <laughs> I guess maybe he's tired from from all that digging in the tunnel, uh, mm. and. He's confused. So he uses he's able to use his antenna to call some remote control airplanes over to chase away the bad guys, which I don't think would really work in real life. No, it's the scariest thing ever. If a if a model airplane flew at me, that's I, actually I would say, to, okay, now you're talking about me right now, a normal guy walking down the street. Yes. But if I was in the middle of be of killing a robot with a crowbar. <laughs> I feel like I would be yeah, less afraid point, of a like, model airplane like, flying bring on at me. more synthetics. I will destroy them <laughs> yeah, all. Yeah. I'll take them all on. Oh, the rise of the machines? I don't think so. Smash, I have smash, a taste smash. for oil. <laughs> this is for the meat puppets. Cutting our strings. No more. You know, oh, a chess not machine's the band, the breaking puppets. fingers? I'm going to break its fingers. I'm going to rage against these machines. Yeah, let's do this. And then they're just yeah. Luddites. They're just smashing printing presses and, mm. and sewing machines. But uh, yeah. And so they, the planes chase them off, and now Johnny Five. There's a, a readout that on him that shows that he has two hours left to total memory failure. Oh no! Uh, and these the cops come up through the bank tunnel just as Ben and Sandy show up. They arrest Ben and Sandy. Fred sees the cop car and runs off looking for Johnny Five. As mutilated Johnny Five is rolling through the sti- city, he steals a car battery, but it doesn't really help him that much. And Fred finally finds him, and Johnny Five can't even talk anymore, so he has to write "I'm dying" in chalk on a wall, uh, and or just it's writes "dying." Pretty fucked up, actually. Yeah, it's, it's really, really sad. It's really sad. And uh, there's, he's like, "Get Ben," and Fred is like. Ben's arrested, so they go to a radio shack, which luckily in the middle of the day is not open and nobody is there. And, now, you're uh, probably wondering, like real radio shacks now, um, <laughs> the, <laughs> you're, now you're probably, probably wondering, wondering, Stuart Wellington, former employee of Radio Shack. Oh, shit. Yeah, I, I was a manager of a radio shack store for a while. Um, and am I an expert? Do I think you could fix a Johnny Five in there? I would say... No. <laughs> no. Now, Stuart, was it your you idea? Get a cell when phone. You were ra- yeah, that's true. I mean, they couldn't get a cell phone then. It was 1988. But uh, Stuart, was it your idea when you were at Radio Shack <laughs> that the Radio Shack Twitter feed should be super horny and, and a real douche? Uh, yeah, that was my idea. I, I sent an email to the corporate. Yeah, they only I now never heard back. It. Years later, he said, "Dear Mister Shack, your Twitter feed should be should be super horny in a totally unprofessional way." And they said, and it stacked up in his emails, and he finally got yeah, to yeah. it. Was like, "Hey, well, this they're Wellington like, yeah, we need, the right idea. We need to pivot away from all this Lance Armstrong content they were pushing for a long time." <laughs> like, <"Hey, laughs> yeah. not the coolest dude. <laughs> so, yeah, so old Johnny Mr. Five Radio is able- Shack. 
I'm sorry. No, no, what are you saying? Tell me more about no, I'm Mr. Like, Shack. I'm just imagining old Mr. Radio Shack being mad at the horny Twitter, <laughs> being like, my store has always been a store where you can go and get those fiber optics that glow at one end <laughs> uh-huh. that are a decoration, <laughs> I guess, some people want. It's a want. store for families. It's a family <laughs> store where you can go in looking for something and the people working there don't know what it is or what shelf it's on. <laughs> and then you leave. That's when was I was my working dream there, when I started this ni- company. I, I was I ran the uh, a store in Park Slope and like ninety percent of it was people wanting the cable to connect their uh, their MacBook to their TV and I'm like every time I'm like you need an extra dongle that they don't sell here. Mm. <laughs> it was <laughs> a very so exciting sad. time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, Johnny Five he's able to type out instructions to Fred and Fred is able to fix him but he still needs a new battery. Uh, and his and needs wiring to get his memory to power, and he's kind of only half coherent. He's talking gibberish. He keeps calling Fred Durf. I assume in a reference to my friend Dahmer, author Durf Bacter. Yeah, Durf but, uh, Durf. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and uh, Johnny Five <laughs> learns that the bad guys only kidnapped Ben and Fred, but they tried to destroy him. And he goes, "Oh, kidnap the humans, destroy the machine," and that makes him really mad. And so what does he do? He gets punk as hell. Yeah, he yeah. gets fucking yeah. badass. This is what I remember from the movie is when he becomes like a super badass looking dude with chains hanging off and spikes. Because he, he has himself a mohawk. mohawk. It's yeah. basically like one of, it's supposed to be, I think, one of those piercings that's like from uh-huh. your ear to your nose. I feel like <laughs> I thought they were trying. very cool. Oh. It's, it's, it's Gizmo getting all Ramboed up in Gremlins 2. Like, it's not it's any, quite any, as cool as that. I mean, Gizmo no, as Gizmo's Rambo cooler. is like, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. And also, because Gizmo <laughs> legitimately, he he uses a flaming pencil as an arrow to kill a spider gremlin. Like, and that's he's amazing. been tortured the whole movie up to that point. And when he finally flips, like the audience just loses their fucking minds. Oh, they go nuts. It's right up there with Yoda fighting Count Dooku at the end of episode two. <laughs> when you're like, what? You f- what? Is- I didn't know this little dude could do this. You this find is out amazing. who's the man. Yoda man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that was a real commercial. <laughs> I cannot. Like, and that was a commercial they dropped after release where they're like, we need yes. to juice up these sales with this fucking <laughs> weird they were like, joke. we didn't realize... We didn't realize this was the breakout moment was Yoda kicking ass. So we'll, we'll now really start. And the commercials look so fake looking. like they Or like they look so cheaply, quickly produced. But it reminded me of when that movie Bringing Down the House, I think that was it, came out. with yeah. When you, Eugene Levy had the line, you got me straight dripping boo. And they started adding a word balloon that said that to the, to the, adver- to the print advertisements to be like, this is the movie where he says it. In case, in case you <laughs> yeah. only know this movie as "You Got Me Straight Trippin' Boo," it's this movie. Man, this is the movie where Eugene Levy says it. <laughs> yeah, they must have had an argument. They're like, "Don't give it away for free." And like, no, no, no. The value of hearing him say it in the theater, yeah, and the crowd reaction—that's gonna sell itself. Don't worry about it. Yeah, don't worry. We want people you to know that you just don't want to be standing around the fucking water cooler on Monday morning and have somebody say that shit and you not have like a blank look on your face. Well, mm-hmm. everybody else in the office is going to laugh. You need to know what it specifically laugh. is referencing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you don't want to feel like is- you don't get it. Yeah, exactly. So that's why you got to know who Yoda, who Yoda man is. Uh-huh. And, and, and who says? And who's... Who's got? Who says you got me straight tripping, boo? And who got the? Who's the boo? Who's got them Under straight tripping? Under what circumstances caused yep. the tripping? Yeah, I don't remember the ghost? in the movie them saying Yoda man. They don't. No, they don't oh, say it's just that. in the campaign. Okay, it was so just, in, it, a just in the campaign. They show yeah. it's like a bit with Yoda, like right before Yoda shows up and fights Count Dooku. But the commercial, like 
they either do they actually have like a uh, like like a voiceover artist say the way I remember it is they had an announcer say who demand yo demand and the words <laughs> yo demand came up on screen very very cheaply CGI'd on like and this is on over footage from a Star Wars movie so it looks like Todd Vizieri is gonna e- send us a very sternly worded <laughs> email yeah he's gonna he's gonna have to explain to us how how expensive those words were but uh, but it was the, uh, what those words were worth much like William Wordsworth the guy who came up with the Yoda Man ad campaign. <laughs> Uh, because being a poet doesn't pay very much. And uh, <laughs> from his poem, I wandered lonely as a cloud that yeah. floats on high over Yoda yeah, Man. <laughs> and uh, it's so a there was a. Low-brow shit. <laughs> that's what brings people to the flop house. Uh, so I mean, I, a, I'm like. Ben's face right now, the like <laughs> witnessing this in, in person for the first time, like what the full force of Elliot and. Uh, Laughing, but also putting his head down with <laughs> rubbing yeah, his temples. Yeah, his hands, very tired this, by it. Now, uh, does this bring back Griffin flashbacks? How does this, what is this? Oh, does it, because, right, yeah, I feel like, um, Elliot, um, you get comparisons to Griffin on occasion. Yeah, I feel like Griffin is the high-gloss version of me. Yeah, He's like little, the more, little motor-mouth tricksters, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling the <laughs> frustration a little bit, but also the joy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, well, that's, that's fair. We call it we call it joystration. <laughs> it's both frustration that's what and keeps joy. Bringing you back because you know, like it's all strong emotions, right? So mm-hmm. like you know that you have this association <laughs> with Elliot that like bonds you to him. Like, I know I feel intensely, but I don't remember what I feel. Oh, ir- annoyance, irritation, yeah. annoyance, and disappointment. <laughs> Uh, an exhaustion. So um, uh, Fred tries to talk him down from going after the crooks, but Johnny Five is ready to go on a rampage. And this is where we get to, this is the other zaniest mo- thing in the movie, which is Johnny Five with a mohawk all like tough guyed out with Michael McKeon riding him on like uh-huh. on his yeah. back. Like, like a piggyback, right? Riding him through the streets of this generic brand city that has not I, been named. While while what holding out for a hero is playing. What's the song? Well, uh, yeah, that, yeah, I, we, uh, that that happens. I think a little bit later. Is I need oh, a hero okay. comes but, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael McKean. Like that was the moment where I'm like, man, it must have been fun to be Michael McKean right there. That's the like thing. riding Johnny Five yes. around. I don't. He, well, here's the thing. I think we would think that. I don't know that Michael McKean was having so well, much fun doing yeah, that. I, I know. You think in the biographical film about Michael McKean's life, it's going to open with him riding on Johnny Five, and he's <laughs> and then he'll freeze frame, and it'll be like, you're probably wondering how I ended <laughs> yeah. up here. Yeah. I, <laughs> Stu, I was. I want to say you were right. That song is called "Holding Out for a Hero." I apologize. Oh, thank he, God! Credit, he, delicious credit, <laughs> delicious Michael credit. Michael McKean for reasons, reasons passing understanding follows me on Twitter. I don't think he listens to the Flophouse, but if he does, if he's he got to start. Write in, tell us what it felt like to be riding Johnny oh, Five around. Please, Wind in Mr. your McKean, hair, falcons have, at your wrist. We are such fans. We have so much respect for your work. Yes, yes. And we we would love to talk to you about what it was like to ride around on Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> during the making of Short Circuit too, you've had a long, illustrious career. Like Spinal Tap is still one of my one of my favorite comedies of all time. There's, you know, you've done so much. You're, you're such an amazing dramatic actor. But I want to hear about what it was like to write about Johnny Five. <laughs> and it's pretty cool that in this movie he gets to be the Slippin' Jimmy character, basically. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's a bit similar to his Lenny character from Laverne and Shirley. You know, that oh, you kind of yeah, like. Yeah. And so, uh, but he's a, he's a man with a lot of range. He can do a lot of stuff. And I will say. There are no moments in this that I feel like are embarrassing for him. I feel like there he no. his character I think never comes off as like embarrassing or or cringy. 
I'm yeah. sure it was embarrassing to be riding around the streets of Toronto on the back of a giant puppet robot. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I would it's not like it, he's but. like it's not like he's like John Candy in Splash, where you're like, "Fuck, dude, <laughs> let's edit all your lines out, please." You've referenced this all before. I remember I, from that I, movie it's been so long since I've seen Splash. What, what I feel yeah. like he's just like so aggressively horned up. Okay. All I remember is him dropping money on the ground so he can go to pick it up and look up women's skirts. That's all I remember mm. from him in that movie. Yeah, that Which that is not be. a... I, th- I remember even okay. as a kid being like, that's not You're, you're saying that's, that's a, a no-no. <laughs> I'm saying that's, that's a big no-no. Yeah. 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 That's a big that gets no-no. Elliot's elefi- el- el- certified <laughs> big no-no of the week. <laughs> you know what? I'm elifying it, everybody. That stands for Elliot certification. I'm elifying that. Yeah, that's my my no-no of the week is dropping change on the ground so you can pick it up while looking up women's skirts. Don't do it. That's elified. Just take it for granted. Not a no. That's a no-no. Don't I do I gotta it. say, you uh, gotta get a pretty deep squat or have to be around a lot of tall women to be looking up those skirts. Yeah, well, it's Unless your change is shine to like a mirror sheen. <laughs> Yeah, the so, change is very, very shiny. So you can just okay. look. Yeah, but I'm, but, but don't do it. That's uh, yeah, aside from just the impracticality. Morally, just don't do it. What's my yes, yes? Well, my elified yes, yes for the week has got to be riding around on a robot's back while holding up for your <laughs> yeah, place. Yeah. Sure, Get, you, can't, you can't go wrong with that. Uh, so, uh, Fred and that's rides the kind of shit he, that, like, if if New Yorkers saw that, they'd be like, "Yep, okay, get out my phone. I'll put it up mm-hmm. on what is New York." <laughs> Yeah, this no, has got to be, this will be, be my modern love entry to the New York Times. There was a man riding a robot, wonderful. Like a frustrated you know? sort of like, <laughs> is this an improv everywhere? What's going on? Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. you would walk along. Like uh, one of those TikTok never, day in my life kind of videos where uh-huh. it's just like, oh my God, I got like, you know, my iced coffee man on a robot. Then I went to a rooftop party. <laughs> uh-huh. Or you, Man, some, that some, seems great. Some, what a life. Some some guy who did some dumb guy who's who's got a college internship in the city posts about it. I saw this guy riding a robot. This what <laughs> freaky stuff is happening around here. He loses his job. He's got to go home. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it doesn't. It, all sorts of stuff like that. Anyway, uh, Johnny Five. Uh, they go into the sewers to stop the to pop up and stop the car. The poster you may have noticed for Short Circuit 2 involves Johnny and Ben in the sewers. No, Mm. it's Johnny and Fred in the sewers in the movie, and I'm Uh tired of these posters lying to me. When I see the poster for Bringing Down the House, it accurately tells me which character says, (laughs) you got me straight tripping, boo. They don't don't have another character saying it. That's a good point. So uh, then uh, Johnny Five fights the robbers. He's wisecracking non-fucking-stop. He just never stops talking, and he chases, uh, he ties them up or whatever, and he chases Oscar while he's sparking and bleeding everywhere. Oscar gets on a boat, Johnny Five follows along on land, and then he gets on it with his few last minutes of life. He swings there's, on a crane, a Tarzan style. Oscar is running away, and he's like, "Yes, are you?" He's like, "Are you a curse from God?" <laughs> and that's it. There's no response. Jo- that's the one time when Johnny Five doesn't say shit because he's like, <laughs> "You better fucking believe it." Yeah. You know I am. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Vengeance is mine, saith Johnny. Uh, so. With his last minutes of life, he catches Oscar. The police show up. Ben and Sandy and Fred all show up just in time for Johnny Five to say goodbye and die. And then Ben takes a defibrillator because the EMS people showed up for a robot. Just, I get <laughs> yeah. it. And uh, they, he takes the defibrillator from him and uh, he starts shocking him and he manages to shock him back to life. And he tells the EMS guy, he goes, 
don't cut off that power or I will I will shove you through a hole or something. I don't remember what his threat is, but it's like, that's not how a defibrillator works. Like, it's not a constant stream of power. It's sharp yeah. shocks that are meant to jumpstart a heart. Johnny Five doesn't have a heart. Like, it's not how machines work. Do you think, yeah, you, do you think transfer to a battery some of that power? It doesn't. It's the same way that, like, you can't really kick a jukebox and have it start playing. That's because Fonz is a magical being. That's how he yeah. can do it. Do you think, now, do you think the EMT showed up assuming that there was a guy inside the robot suit that he was going to need to do an emergency appendectomy oh. on, like that that performer who was in the Godzilla monster suit that one time. Yeah, and where they he had, had to, to have the surgery they on. had to have the surgery through the suit while he was still wearing it, and they realized that he was immune to anesthetic. <laughs> it's the craziest <laughs> oh. story I've ever heard. That this performer, uh, yeah, he had <laughs> like that's the worst place to have an appendectomy <laughs> in your body. In a tiny- in a, it's to have it to have an appendectomy while you're wearing a thick rubber suit and you're also on a scale model of a city that's very small. <laughs> yeah. And you have to know that for the surgeon, it's hard to resist the urge to just walk away from the surgery for a moment to smash some buildings, to live out a dream of being mm-hmm. a giant who can step on buildings. Because surgeons don't usually get to do that. Yeah. Yeah. My, so, my so uncle. F- that's LA's fun fact of the week. My uncle is a retired retired bone surgeon. Never got to stomp around on buildings. Was never a giant. Anyway, bone surgeon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a, that's like, a yeah. fucking job. I guess so. It sounds cool. Yeah, though, right? it sounds cool. When, you gotta, as hell. when your bones, when your bones got to get pulled out of your body or whatever. Anyway, I could totally imagine him using a bone saw to just cut through someone's rib cage or something. Yeah. Anyway, he, says he doesn't bone do that now. Ready before he mm-hmm. uses it <laughs> because he loves he's he a loves big the Sam Raimi man, Spider-Man yeah. so much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> loves, I mean, they're great movies. Really, what is it? He's a Macho Man Randy Savage fan, but only when he's playing another character. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. So he loves, so he loves the Slim Jim ads, and he loves Bone Saw, but he doesn't like. Wait, his is actual he not playing movie. Macho Man in the Slim Jim ads? I have always assumed he was playing a Slim Jim guy named Slim Jim. Was he not? <laughs> okay, we are so close to the end of this movie, guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, Johnny Five, he's in all the newspapers. Now he's a big star. He's on the cover of People magazine, which is a, which I guess is accepting him as a person. You can't mm-hmm. get more True. accepted as a person yeah. than beyond People Magazine. People, a, Life they, Magazine, that also would mean mm-hmm. that he's alive. Yeah, he's he's uh, starring in a remake of Alive. Uh, time all Magazine, things. like all living things. He only has a uh-huh. limited time yep. uh, on the planet. Time <laughs> also affects non-living things. It's called entropy and erosion and stuff. So that's, that's all a right, little bit iffier. To- <laughs> uh, it's a Newsweek, only a living thing can feel weak. Uh, uh-huh. Inanimate objects always have strength. Uh, so the uh, now it's a little bit in the future. <laughs> yeah, they have Dan, their own company. Dan, you reach too much of the earth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they have a they have a new they have their own company called Input Inc. You know Fred has made it because it's the '80s. So he's wearing a suit, a fancy suit with sunglasses on, and is talking to a big Zach Morris cell phone. That's how you know you're yeah, successful. Yeah, he says he 80s. says words like bubble and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he says, you want my toys? Everybody wants my toys. And he and Sandy are late. They've got to rush to the citizenship oath ceremony. The only evidence we've received so far that this movie is not set in Toronto, because up to this point, everything else has pointed in that direction. Uh, and Ben is taking the oath and also a shiny gold Johnny Five. That's right. His body got turned to gold somehow. <laughs> not yeah, a great yeah. replacement, because gold is not a strong metal. It's weak, like Newsweek magazine says. It's very yeah. malleable. And... Uh, <laughs> And Johnny Five gets singled out by the judge administering the oath that he is America's first robotic citizen with all rights inherent to all citizens. Now, that means he has fewer rights now because of the current Supreme Court, which loves yeah. taking rights away. They're a bunch of assholes. But up in, so Johnny Five uh, no longer has certain rights, but he has all the rights that Americans have left. Sandy kisses Ben 
And that, and they asked Johnny Five, how do you feel now that you're a citizen? And he goes, I feel alive. And he jumps in the air, which he should not be able to do. He does not have legs. And then there's a freeze frame. Freeze frame of him. That's how you end a fucking picture, guys. A <laughs> That's fucking yeah, freeze frame. And then, and we, haven't robot. About this, we haven't talked about the score, but uh, some primo 80s like saxophone pop yep. movie score oh, yeah. plays. Oh, yeah. And uh, we enjoy the credits. <laughs> Some solid synth stuff too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. It, is it is it the score like the love theme from *Romancing the Stone*? No, it's not that good. My, that's the best saxophone my score. My favorite no, I, '80s <laughs> score that sounds say, so '80s. The music. Just looking it up now, the music is by Charles Fox, who did a lot of TV uh, scoring in the '70s. Uh, he wrote the theme song for *The Love Boat*, uh, and he also oh. uh, was he also was one of the writers on *Killing Me Softly*. So he's has wow. oh, so he has a Grammy the for movie? the song "Killing Me Softly" with the song. No, the uh, song. Whew. That makes more uh, sense. Um, no, so uh, so yeah, that's the epic story of uh, of Short Circuit Two. Uh, yeah, and there was no Short Circuit Three. There was, I guess, they want they were thinking about making a sequel, and they did not because this movie was not a success. Yeah, although it was so did it live up to all your expectations, Ben? Damn. <laughs> Fuck. Um, rewatching it, because uh, no. I, I loved this fucking movie as a kid. I yeah. was like singing the songs. I was like, I'm thinking about how badass Johnny Five looked when he was like a punk rock version. Hell yeah! yeah. Mm-hmm. I was super into it. Uh, well, before we get a reaction, let's we have a we have a branded segment that's all about. Okay, final. what's that segment? It's called Final Judgments, uh, where we decide whether it's a good bad movie, a bad bad movie, or a movie we kind of like. Um, yeah, Ben, we already, why don't you kick us off? All right. Well, I will say that having been the one to suggest we watch this cursed fucking movie, Uh um, (laughs) and now revisiting it as an adult, I, uh, will probably never watch it again. And I, I have to say, I think this was a bad, bad movie in just that as much as it was, you know, I guess nostalgic to see my robot friend, Johnny Five, again. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't get past the scenes with um, the character, Ben. It was yeah. so distracting, so cringy, yeah. just awful. So as much as, you know, it's like, as much as we're going to have to kind of always face this with our eighties, nineties comedies, really just movies from that era in general that we grew up on. And then you revisit and you're like horrified. <laughs> I mean, that is just so consistent. Uh-huh. Um, this True. is one of those Wait, ones. The nerds did what? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, so I just, I just feel that as much as like, I, I remember growing up loving this movie uh, I, I, on rewatch, I, I feel nothing but <laughs> kind of, uh, uh, ill will towards, uh, this film. Yeah. It, I mean, the, our reactions to these movies that we do fall so often outside of the codified, uh, categories we created that it, we really uh, should cate- get different categories. The categories yeah. have become kind of a, a joke at this point, but I, I will say that, like, yeah, that this is a movie that has one big problem, and it's consistent. It's it's consistent consistent racial insensitivity, whether it be 
<laughs> the lead character being in brown face the whole time or minor characters just being terrible stereotypes. Yeah. Um, if that were not true about the movie, I would say like, while this has little to offer me beyond nostalgia as an adult person, I would think it was a fine, sweet little comedy for kids. And it would, you know, it'd be perfectly okay. But that that is a <laughs> a, a, a glaring flaw, I would say, with the film. Uh, what do you guys have to say? Yeah, I mean, I'm, it's... I. It's obviously uh, looking looking back. It is obviously a bad bad movie. Uh, there's <laughs> I'm 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 I find it I'm fine. There's something compelling for me watching it because I'm like, why did I love this movie so yeah, much? Yeah. Uh, and the puppeteering work is incredible. Like they uh, they do some really impressive and uh, very creative ways of like blocking and using Johnny Five and. Uh, I think that's just all super cool, but yeah. And I'm also shocked at how like they like made this crazy bank heist uh, subplot. I don't know. Like it's it's a very weird movie. Uh, but no, it's not. It's not particularly good. Yeah, I think there's a so uh, I have a I have a concept that I have uh, named the classic movie cringe, which is when mm. you watch an older film and often there is a, many many times uh, there is a moment that is racially insensitive or sexually insensitive or misogynist or, or things like that. And you just kind of have to cringe at it and move on. And there's kind of a ratio in my head that I can't codify, but where the quality of the film has to kind of outweigh the quality of that cringe, the, the intensity of it to a certain extent to make the film worthwhile. And I love a lot of old movies that have those moments where you like cringe through it and then you move on. I love Westerns, which aren't inherently cringing and problematic genre since they're built on extermination and, and colonization uh, and are themselves then also misogynistic vert lens on real life extermination and, and, uh, and colonization. But uh, so I'm used to kind of being through that stuff. And I feel like if this movie had been, because without the racist stuff, I feel like this is a good, bad movie. It's super dumb and silly and the robot effects all look really good. Uh, it's not a good movie. It's not funny. And as a kid, I thought it was funny because kids, I feel like with kids, if the jokes are fast enough and they're references to things, then kids like it. I'm experiencing this right now because my kids have discovered the Despicable Me and Minions movies. And uh -huh. watching them, I'm like- Wait, there's movies Ugh. about those things? Yeah, I thought they were just yeah, yeah. memes that people's <laughs> aunts put online. No, no, they started as movies and they are- super fast paced in terms of jokes. And there's a lot of references to things that my kids don't know what they are, but they know it's a reference to something and they love them. And so it's like, if you took out the racist stuff, this would be a, a kind of a, this would be kind of a good, bad movie, but with it, the quality of the movie is just not, not and the ludicrousness of the movie is not of a high enough caliber to make up for the rest. So I'm, so it becomes a bad, bad movie, but I will say that um, sometimes when you're a movie, when you're a, a lover of any kind of cultural media, you have to wade through uh, the the toxicity of the past in order to get to the glimmers of treasure that still exist. But don't do that with Short Circuit too. That's not it's not worth doing with Short Circuit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah definitely not worth it. Uh, 
Watch I would feel I, it's, instead. No, watch Champions. No, 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 no. But, what? I, but, but the way that like I've been rewatching Seinfeld recently, and there was an episode that I watched recently that was so funny, but then also has a whole subplot that's super racist. With with any time a Chinese person is on that show, it's super racist because they all just yell loudly in broken English, and it's like, oh, I wish if only this subplot wasn't in this episode. It would be an amazing episode of television. But the sub, the stuff in it that is funny to me is so funny that I'm like, okay, I'll I'll cringe through this part to get to the to the funny scenes, you know. But short circuit two is not at that is not the level of Seinfeld. Yeah. Um, you know, a good way maybe to to deal with the disappointments of nostalgia could uh -huh. be uh, microdosing. Oh, okay. You've probably heard about microdosing. <laughs> if not, yeah, but not in this context before. I want to hear more. <laughs> yeah, tell me. Just know that all sorts of people are microdosing daily to feel healthier and perform better. They might be around you right now. You would never know. You can't know. It's impossible. Science hasn't figured out a way. Uh, our show today is sponsored by Microdose Gummies. Microdose Gummies deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. I have used these gummies from Lumi Labs. Um, they got a pleasant taste. They don't taste like... Uh, you know, something that has THC in them. They uh, they relax you. They make you feel, you know, calm you down, give you a little creative boost. I I enjoy them. And they are available nationwide. And if you want to learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use code FLOP to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Links can be found in the show description. But again, that is microdose.com code flop. Elliot, I believe you have a, a jumbotron now that Stuart has I done do. opening various cans on microphone. <laughs> yeah, during the ads. That was, that was a good idea. So the jumbotron <laughs> I have, this is a message for David, and this message is from Crystal. So if your name is David and you know a crystal in your life, this message might be for you. And you'll figure out if it is for you from the context of the message, which goes like such. Howdy, Peaches. I am wishing my wonderful Spider-Man-loving partner a happy 17th wedding anniversary. We usually don't celebrate our anniversary, in part because we don't always remember the date in July we were married on. But 2022 marks 20 years together, so I wanted to get a special shout-out from our fave Peaches. Here's to 20 more years, babe. That's so sweet. Happy anniversary, David and Crystal. Congratulations. That's wonderful. Uh, that is wonderful, and... Hey, and you know what else is wonderful? What? You know what, Dan? When this what? episode comes out, it's only going to be a few days before the release of the collected edition of Maniac of New York, The Bronx is Burning, my second volume of Maniac of New York comics from Aftershock Comics, written by me, art by Andrea Moody. It's the story of an unstoppable slasher loose in New York, and this time, he's in the Bronx. So that's on August 3rd, the collected edition, Maniac of New York, The Bronx is Burning, is coming out just a few days after this episode is released. Hey, <laughs> I snuck in an ad for my own stuff. It's great. Yeah, sounds like a good... Uh I don't know, Halloween gift? What do we are there, do those exist? I'm trying to think of a holiday that might be coming up soon. Anyway. Uh, I mean it, it comes out on one of my son's birthdays and he loves scary yeah. stuff. So, yeah, so it could be so buy, buy it for it, one buy, of Elliot's son's birthdays. <laughs> yeah. But don't buy it for them because they're too young for it. So buy it yeah. buy it for someone you love and say happy Elliot's son's birthday. Hi, my name is Graham Clark, and I'm one half of the podcast Stop Podcasting Yourself, a show that we've recorded for many, many years. And uh, at the moment, instead of being in person, we're recording remotely, and uh, you wouldn't even notice. You don't even notice the lag.
That's right, Graham. And uh, the great thing about this. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Okay. Okay, go ahead. And you can listen to us uh, every week on MaximumFun.org. Or wherever you get your podcasts. Your podcasts. Hi, it's me, Dave Hill, from before. Here to tell you about my brand new show on Maximum Fun, the Dave Hill Good Time Hour, which combines my old Maximum Fun show, Dave Hill's podcasting incident, with my old radio show, The Goddamn Dave Hill Show, into one new futuristic program from the future. If you like delightful conversation with incredible guests, technical difficulties, and actual phone calls from real-life listeners, you've just hit a street called easy. I'm also joined by my incredible co-host, the boy criminal Chris Gersbeck. Say hi, Chris. Hey, Dave. It's really great That's to... That's enough, Chris. And New Jersey chicken rancher, Des. Say hi, Des. Hey, Dave. The Dave Hill Good Time Hour. Brand new episodes every Friday on Maximum Fun. Plus, the show's not even an hour. It's 90 minutes. Take that, stupid rules. We nailed it. Hey, and while we're doing plugs, I just want to do a quick shout out to my friend and friend of the pod, Tom Fowler. He's a comic book creator, and he has a brand new book on the way. It's a collection of the comic book Refrigerator Full of Heads, which is part of uh, DC's Hill House line, and it's the follow-up to the successful Basket Full of Heads. Uh, If you're a fan of horror comics, uh, 80s horror, hammer horror, all that stuff, uh, this is something for you to check out. Uh, So you should head down to your comic shop and get that pre-order in because pre-orders are super important in this business. Uh, And the cutoff is going to be either the 8th, 19th, or 21st, depending on your comic book distributor. So head to that shop and ask for it. It is uh, curated by the one and only Joe Hill, and there's a uh, lot of other great people working on it. So check it out, Refrigerator Full of Heads. Um, But moving on back to uh, uh, the show from our from our delightful sponsors and Elliot's plug. Here's uh, some August third, Maniac of New York, the Bronx is burning. Collected edition in comic book stores. August third. Yeah. Oh, Dan, letters time, huh? Listeners sometimes write us letters. I mean, frequently they do uh, because we've made it part of the show. (laughs) Yeah. And um, (laughs) and this is the part where I talk about them. This first letter is from Amos, last name withheld, who writes. I've become a big Nicolas Cage fan, thanks in no small part to the podcast. It's been a delight to witness his late career renaissance, although I hope he continues to churn out direct-to-streaming B-movies so that uh, Cage can continue. But this brings me to my question. Are there any other actors that you think deserve late career reconsideration and that you would like to see rescued from B-movie purgatory? That's Amos' last name, withheld um you guys have any thoughts on this any actors that you would like to see uh rescued that uh, maybe are you know not being given the parts that they yeah deserve i mean i feel i mean i to think of a few i mean uh it's also tough because i don't know if they these are actors and necessarily fall within these categories for a while i would say melanie linsky was always an actress that i wish had gotten more big uh big parts and got more uh you know awards consideration but she's been working consistently and she's great in yellow jackets yeah she's Um, got her own tv show but i don't know like Jeffrey Combs 
Definitely deserves to be in more stuff. I love Jeffrey Combs. More Jeffrey Combs, please. He's so great in everything he's in. Put him in more stuff. Not just Star Star Trek stuff. Put him in other stuff too, please. <laughs> Put him on stuff that Stuart's going to watch. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I A couple just sort of looking at movies that I've watched recently. Uh, the movie that I talked about for Missed That Movie last time, I always feel like Mimi Rogers like kind of got a – Raw deal, like she, you know, had like she's um, not in the movie Raw Deal though, right? No, no, <laughs> like she <laughs> she was in kind of a few big movies at the the sort of the peak of her career, but then I don't know, never seemed to really, uh, you know, like she works consistently, but I I think that she could have done bigger things. Like when I, when I see her like show up and say Ginger Snaps, I'm like I'm so yeah, she's great, happy mm-hmm. about it. She's so good in it, and um. Also, I, I recently, I went to the Nighthawk to see Supernova, the legendarily um, troubled production that, like, started out as a Walter Hill movie, took his name off of it. They had another director, and then, like, Francis Ford Coppola came and re-edited that. Uh, anyway, it stars James Spader, who certainly had, like, a great career, but, like, of late just kind of seems happy to be in these long-running television shows, and I... Mm-hmm. I just wish that we saw something that was a little more ambitious <laughs> out of him. Like, I mean, I can't fault him for it. I just wish that he would get a a good late career movie role as well. Um, you guys have anything who haven't said anything? Um, I'll shout out Keith David. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, a good he's one. amazing. Yeah. That's Excellent. my boy. I like... I mean, we did on Blank Check a um, little while back, Carpenter yeah. miniseries. Um, and, I mean, he just has an amazing voice. Mm-hmm. And I just look was looking at his filmography. He apparently is in Nope. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I also, and Michael Wincott is in Nope. And I fucking love Michael Wincott. It's another character actor. Sorry. Oh. Yeah, yeah. No, that's okay. I'm gonna, yeah, that's I'm awesome. gonna say that's more Keith David. In, more Keith in, David in the world, please. He's got like also the best smile. Mm-hmm. Best smile, such a great voice. Like yeah. he's just he's so yeah. killer. I want to flip the premise of this question and say I kind of want to free a lot of the great actors that are working today from the A-list kind of big budget franchise IP movies that they're yeah. making. Oh, yeah. I feel like there's an entire generation of actors that I think is so tied up in. Star Wars and Marvel and those kinds of things that they are not getting the more individual or unique or iconic on their own roles that they could be getting. And that's disappointing to me that there's a, I feel like now it happens with um, indie directors, which doesn't bother me as much, but with, with some of these, with some of these actors, they get locked into a franchise and they just don't get to do too much else. And those movies also eat up resources that studios could be using to make one-off movies that are amazing, you know, and memorable rather than big chain franchises. So I would love to, I wish that there are many actors that I would love to have like bigger careers, but I also want the actors who have big careers to be able to do things that are more unique or special and not just, Oh, well now they're playing this character in this, in this adaptation of a, of a thing from my childhood, you know, Oh, well that could like, I guess they're a Thundercat now, and they will be for as long as those movies well, it's, are made. it's something yeah. how, like, there was a period where uh, Colin Farrell was starring in a lot of big, like he was in, like, SWAT and all kinds of other shit. 
And yeah. now he's like, now he's kind of leaning into doing more smaller roles or more interesting projects. Uh, and he's great. But I think, uh, I think a lot of that, a lot, a lot of this that is tied up in my being tired of, of uh, like I went to, um, I took uh, my older son to Comic-Con for in San Diego for the day a couple days ago. And, and that tired you out? And I was tired <laughs> out. But also that it made me realize how tired, how tired I am of seeing the things that I grew up with dominating media yeah. or, or, or nerd yeah. media at least and how hungry I am for new things, new things my son can enjoy that I don't know anything yeah. about. And also new yeah. things that are just new ideas. Like I love, as much as I love, you know, all the, all the junk I grew up with, like I want some, I, I, don't, I need new, I want new things, you know, and, huh? so I, and I'd love to see the actors of today doing new stuff. You want, like Johnny Five, you want input. Yeah, well, but not just any. Johnny Five would just take any input. Like, if he had rolled into the wrong part of that store, he's just reading, you know, a lot of libertarian books and things like that. And now he's, you know, now he's... <laughs> I mean, th there is, though, something to Johnny Five getting to experience the internet. I mean, talk about input. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That, oh, that'll yeah. be short. But then we just radicalize no. him immediately. Speaking, <laughs> oh, immediately radicalize. <laughs> Johnny, Johnny Five is he's at, he's storming the Capitol on January sixth and telling yeah. people that blowjobs happen on first dates and like <laughs> like it's all like every, any, all the terrible things he picks up on the internet and he just rolls around going, "Am I the asshole? Am I the asshole?" Like, um, well, actually, <laughs> <laughs> actually. Mm, and some a girl runs up and goes, oh, "I'm such a big fan of yours." And he goes, "Oh, are you really a fan of me? Tell me what's the, what's my middle name then? Oh, you failed my test. Forget it. Mm -hmm. you know? Tell me Ugh. my tell me five of my songs. Uh, uh, I don't like modern day modern day <laughs> incel radicalized Johnny Five. I don't like him. This, <laughs> well, let's let's leave let's leave this fantasy figure behind and move on to um, this, uh, Johnny the, Five's like I'm not getting those vaccines. You don't have to, Johnny Five. They're, you're you're not you're a machine. You're not going to get a virus. Don't tell people he would look that, 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 that they should cool. get them. He would look pretty cool wearing a milady fedora, you know? Mm. <laughs> mm. Uh, I mean, a handsome man looks good in anything. Uh, so let's – there's another letter here. It's from Emma, last name withheld, who writes – This, 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 <laughs> this uh, uh, email is titled, From the Mouths of Babes. Please mm. – I am begging you, tell Elliot I introduced my boyfriend to the Flophouse while also rewatching the Star Wars prequels, and this absolute treasure of a man said, the Separatist battle droids sound like that nerdy dude from your podcast. Oh, Whoa. thanks. <laughs> I need to know if Elliot finds this more, less, or just as offensive as the comparison to Moraka. Love ya, and the last name withheld. I mean, I love Moraka. I've I've worked with Moraka. He's a he's a great guy. So I'm not I'm not offended by that at all. The battle droids. I think more just the fact that they're so incredibly incompetent all the time. Yeah. Um. But other, I'd never heard that comparison before. But I'll take it. I'll, I'll accept it. I understand. I'd so much rather be that than Watto. So. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> it's still shorter than a lot of blank check, but we've kept been here a while. So let's uh, <laughs> let's. Speed through uh, yeah, the last I'm, thing. I'm so looking used for to the it. exit. I'm, well, you know, yeah. Uh, so let's get to, how uh, often are you? How often are you texting someone, breaking or canceling or changing plans because the episodes have have gone longer than you thought they would? Quite often, because what <laughs> happens too is Griffin will be classically late, um, and then <laughs> they'll start talking about some nerd shit that I can't listen to. <laughs> and then we'll probably start then about an hour after we've meet, met up 
and then it'll be like a two and a half long recording. And then, yeah, I have to tell my girlfriend that like, I'm going to be late for dinner because <laughs> I was talking about the matrix, <laughs> yeah. the new I matrix. Do, you were listening to somebody passionately explain how the M&M experience isn't what it should be <laughs> and how it's advertised. <laughs> I love that Ben like breaks the like you know there's this old stereotype that like nerds and I don't know how would you describe yourself <laughs> sort of like humorous dirtbags can't uh, can't get along. I mean, you just no. described him like that. No, yeah. I mean this is no, the, this I mean, is the part he plays on the. That's the part I play on the show, kind of the everyman. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean nerds and 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 people like me can get along because they're both misanthropes and uh, have <laughs> yeah, trouble yeah. communicating with people. So it's like you, you you have that sort of shared bond of being yeah. kind of a weirdo. Yeah, freaks and geeks, you know, together in one candy bar. Um, <laughs> hey, you got your freaks and my geeks. Well, you got your geeks and my freaks. Let's try it. No, that's Let's- cannibalism. Stop, stop. <laughs> they're eating freaks and geeks. Stop. Uh, <laughs> Let's do the recommendations. Uh, movies that we've seen, that we enjoyed, that might be a better use of your time. Um, then Short I, Circuit 2. I think, I think I didn't recommend this. I hope I'm not. My memory is full of holes these days. I'm sorry if I already recommended this. Uh, I would be remiss not to, though, because it is related to Stuart's favorite movie, Ricky O, The Story of Ricky. Uh-huh. I saw The Cat. Did I talk about this? No. I saw I don't the movie, think so, no. The Cat from uh, 1992. It's uh, apparently based on like a whole series of novels about a character that if you watch the movie The Cat, you would walk out being like, wait, that was the main character? You wouldn't have, <laughs> you wouldn't have known. It's mostly about these aliens who are living on Earth and uh, one of them like is like a guy, like just some dude, like one of them is a young lady and one of them is in the form of a cat. It's a, and they, there's a fight in it between like a cat and a dog where, you know, both of the, both. it's very, it's a dramatic like science fiction fight between a cat and a dog where like there's like this cat puppet flying around and stuff and like a lot of glowing <laughs> stuff and none neither of the animals get hurt and they're both get to be like good guys so animal lovers can watch this movie and be happy but right. it is by the end it gets just as gross as Ricky well not just as gross Ricky uh-huh. is pretty gross but oh, like great. <clears throat> there's like they're there to fight like a bad alien and they get you know, mixed up in like there's the the main character from the novels is I guess an investigative reporter. There's all these shenanigans that I don't really understand. It is one of these bizarre movies where really getting everything that do, that happens isn't key to your enjoyment of it. It's just a very strange movie with a lot of delightful, bizarre practical effects and things that happen. Uh, and if you like story of Ricky. I guarantee you, you will also enjoy the cat. That's a solid recommendation for me, Stuart. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stu, do you, do you have a... I do. I will go next. I am going to recommend a movie that I don't think we've recommended on the show before. It's directed by uh, Ridley Scott, and it's written by that sicko freak, Cormac McCarthy. <laughs> what a fucking nasty oh, boy. Man. You know, <laughs> he's, he's, his he's always, he's always trying to shock the squares. 
Mm-hmm. His author photo should have him in a fucking straitjacket because he's just that <laughs> twisted. <laughs> and he serves up another sticky slab of creepy shit in this one where a <laughs> the description of the movie. So this is a movie with a lot of people in it. There's a big uh, cast, a lot of stars. You got your Fassbender. You got your Penelope Cruz. Cameron Diaz's last movie. Is that correct? Uh, as of yet, I believe that she's coming back. She has announced. Okay, for Counselor Two, I hope. Uh, Javier Bardem's in it. Yeah, a bunch of people, bunch of folks. Uh, Brad Pitt's in it. Uh, and the the dis- plot description uh, is: a lawyer finds himself in over his head when he gets involved in drug trafficking, which is true. That is technically true, but it is a much weirder movie than that. Every character, every conversation is in a kind of like, I like a location that is at both times like high class and also very grimy. Uh, Javier Bardem is dressed insane the whole movie. Uh, Cameron Diaz does have sex with a car. Uh, It's, it's, it's a, well, I don't know. It's just like a weird kind of gross movie where characters are just constantly talking about fucking. And uh, it does feature a really, It features a Chekhov's bolito, which is a execution method that will slowly strangle and slice off your head. Uh, And you know that they talk about it a bunch up front. You're like, oh, that's weird. They're going to be talking very specifically about the rules of this uh, this execution device. Well, you know that shit comes back (laughs) in the end, baby. So the counselor, uh, you were a good time. Thank you. I want to say for any any car fetishists in our audience this isn't like titane level car fucking it's more you know kind of grinding against a car but there's that's definitely, true i just don't want i don't want anyone to be disappointed yeah, yeah. Expect to titane yeah and let, they, uh, thanks for thanks for heading off those angry letters right now dan <laughs> yeah elliot what, what do you got to recommend i'm gonna recommend this is a slightly qualified recommendation uh, we watched this movie where a guy who is not Indian played an Indian person, and I recently watched a movie where Indian people played Indian people, and it's uh, the Tollywood movie that everyone's talking about. That's right, RRR, uh, the movie uh, directed by S.S. Rajamuli that tells the story, the heavily fictionalized, because in that none of what happens in it is true, story of two real-life uh, anti-British revolutionaries in uh, 1920s India who... Uh, have a um, have an incredible friendship that involves lots of action scenes and the two of them torturing each other at different points. And uh, it's a it's a it's a just big explosive, big budget Indian action adventure movie. Uh, there's a lot of fun stuff in it. The action scenes are really great. There's a scene where one of the characters releases a whole herd of animals to 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 attack the guards at a base. Um, it's qualified because politically the movie is problematic if you are following Indian politics at all. And by the end of the movie, there is a a musical number that is so essentially that it's so incredibly like nationalistic that I was like, wait a minute, this movie kind of became propaganda at the end. Like this movie just <laughs> just turned into nationalist propaganda. So I would say um, enjoy it for the action scenes. There's one scene that's an entire action scene where one of the guys is on the shoulders of the other guy while they're fighting people. That's great. Uh, and enjoy that aspect of it, but uh, please don't take it as a, um, as a fair look at the Indian independence struggle. Uh, it is uh, politically problematic but the adventure scenes are really fun in it uh and there's some fun dancing in it too so that's rrr it's available all over the place though dubbed into hindi which is not the language i think it was made in so i don't know why but 
I couldn't tell the difference. I don't speak any of those languages. Ben, ben what, what have you got? What would you like to yeah. recommend? Well, so, okay. I mean, you mentioned Fastbender. I feel like overall these three recommendations have been pretty straightforward, pretty genuine. I got a dumbass one. Okay, yeah, yeah. I love a dumbass cool. recommendation. All right, a movie that if you haven't watched yet, I highly recommend is Assassin's Creed. Okay. Have you seen? Yeah, I think we may have even done an episode. We may have done. I don't I think listen we might to have it. Done you it, get yeah. insulted. Tell Wait, us. That's weird. <laughs> but though. I want Why you to s- you do Assassin's Creed in on the episode, this show. That, in the episode, I think so we were like, done. I think, yeah, it, it does I sound we, fucked up. Can you explain to us why we shouldn't have done it? Yeah, yeah. I think we said in the episode, I think we said in the episode, anyone who likes this and is named Ben is a dumbass. So I apologize <laughs> wow. for that. Wow, shots fired. Well, was, I didn't even know. <laughs> yeah, but so why Assassin's Creed, Why? what's great about it? You sit down and you hit play. You are transported to a whole different universe. <laughs> oh, shit. All right. With <laughs> oh, rules wow. that don't necessarily <laughs> apply to like our reality. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. you're so on board because it's sick. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There is an amazing action. It's like set in a time in history that I don't know anything about about True, so okay. i'm just like i'm on board for whatever i'm seeing yeah it's yeah. dusty i love it it's got tons of cool ass fighting and violence uh, and yeah. shit you know i didn't really play the video game uh-huh. so mm. i have no context yeah but i i do love <laughs> that uh there's just this weird machine that somehow through memory gets people to travel in time none of it makes sense uh-huh. but Damn, is it good. Okay. Like, if you want to... There's, like, movies that I like where it makes you feel like you're not alive anymore when you watch it. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you're just, like, I have, like, floated out of my body. And that's, like... uh, You're, uh, like, stumbling out of the movie theater wondering, like, you have to check your pockets because maybe you left it. Oh, I wouldn't see this in the theater. This is not a (laughs) theater-going recommendation. No, but I'm saying, like, when you, like... That's the feeling of like you're you have left your body behind. You have entered another realm. Yeah. Maybe you have re-entered a different body that is not your own. Yes, exactly. Um, but it's it's just uh, it's a blast. It actually has a decent director. Um, I think is Justin Kurtzell. Kurtzell. Um, but it, it's like beautifully shot. And yeah, for a video game movie, it's not half bad. Okay. I, you know, I I do like you're you're not the first guest to recommend a movie that has been also featured on an episode. So that's and you're not alone yeah, in true. liking Assassin's Creed. This is I've heard defenses of Assassin's Creed from people I trust. Uh, you know, we had a different experience, but maybe if we weren't and there's yeah, there's also there's also the argument that when we go into a movie for the purposes of the podcast, it yeah. is hard that. For our uh, our opinion to not be colored a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, we a we might have. I always, we went I always to, want to like it. Maybe we went into short circuit too with the wrong attitude, and maybe that's why we didn't we didn't mm-hmm. care for mm-hmm. it. But that's mm-hmm. true. I've been trying to go. I've been trying to go into these movies lately, being like, "What am I going to like about this movie?" Just so that I'm not yeah going after things just for negative reasons. Now, but Assassin's Creed, I didn't like. Can you guys jump from rooftop to rooftop? I I can't. I mean, how close are the rooftops? Yeah, They're that's a, good a great point. distance away. No, no, I, I, no, I couldn't do that. <laughs> do you have knives hidden under your sleeves? No, I don't. I don't have. No, not that currently. seems dangerous. I'm, 
So I feel like what else do you need to know? Yeah, you make a good point. It's actually a pretty good point. Yeah. And yeah. it's got assassins in the name. <clears throat> True. Mm. Yep. And uh, Creed. Creed. We all love the movie, movie Creed. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And um, the band Creed. Yeah. Oh, there's that. You know, we have familiarity there. Maybe yeah. you like the play Assassins. I think you've turned us around. Yeah. Um, you know, do you want to do it's it now, again? I'm putting, I'm putting it number episode? one on my. I'm putting on my top ten list for this year, even though it didn't come out this year. That's how. Uh-huh. That's how much you've convinced me. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, Ben, is there anything you would like to take this moment to plug? <sighs> yes. Um, listen to Blank Check. I mean, if, um, you, you said, like uh, longer. On. Yeah, we that did. That's a big deal. I know. That's crazy. I got him to rap my nicknames, which is absurd. Wow. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so check out Blank Check if you want to listen to a movie podcast that goes even longer. <laughs> Um, and people have I been demanding also, that. Yes. Okay. Well, I'm sorry that I introduced that idea to your listeners. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I will just also say, uh, coming soon. Cause I don't know exactly when this is coming out. So whatever, hopefully I'll maybe actually make the website and launch it. But I also have a fashion line. Uh-huh. Um, so, uh, congratulations is the name. So if you go to congratulations, okay, yeah, because the other one was already taken. That's congrat y o u lations. I have mm. uh, various merch and dice, including buried jeans, um, which sound exactly like what they are. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm a I'm a listener, so I know about these buried jeans, but I didn't know that it would necessarily translate immediately to everybody but i guess you saying yeah i know they sound what like what they are that is the quickest and easiest yeah, and mo- clearest yeah. way of of saying it. if you want more explanation <laughs> just go to the website and you'll see that i mean what what you know this is beautiful because you're giving them a taste that'll make them want to go <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. uh well this has been fun but yeah thanks for having me on though this is a blast Thank you for coming. Uh, and, and I guess, and I guess, sorry to- <laughs> too. I should just apologize too. No, okay, apology here. accepted. Yeah, sorry about that. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, you're forgiven. We'll allow it. Or the flop house. <laughs> I've been Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. I'm Elliot Kalen. I'm Ben Hosley. Bye. 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 I, I bought a Steely Dan album, Elliot. This is how I know that I've wow. entered middle You've age. You've reached that age. You did it. <laughs> mm-hmm. What album? Uh, Aha. Or, or is it Aja? Aja. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's Aja. Yeah, Aha is, is a, I mean, that's, a, a, that's a solid place to start. Well, yeah. A-J-A. I took a stab, and I stabbed wrong. <laughs> I stabbed the wrong <laughs> person with my it was dark. Steely Dan album. They call Let's, him uh, Steely Dan. He's, the, he's a killer who stabs people with Steely Dan <laughs> albums, and his name is Dan. Is he steely? He's actually not that steely. That's the thing. It, no, it, we wish he fit the pants better. Yeah. yeah. He's very warm and uh, loving. Aside from the stabbing, of course. Well, yeah. <laughs> MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.